little nerds and nerdettes. Junior ambassadors, boys and girls of all ages. We're nerds and uh, we're pretty proud of it. You're entering the Nerd United Nations podcast. Never apologize for being nerdy. All things geek are up for grabs. Because unnerdy people never apologize for being assholes. Now, here's your ambassadors, Melissa Nicholson and Jared Boots. Hello, Junior Ambassadors, nerds and nerdettes of all ages, and welcome to another episode of the Nerd Out Nations podcast. I'm your co-host from the Midwest United States. I'm also podcasting's favorite Rob Zombie doppelganger, Jerry Boots. And let me tell you this. I just drank two bottles of tequila. My wife doesn't know I'm here. Any of you girls over 18? As you can tell from the episode title, we're talking about season two of The Critic. And I cannot do this alone. I need my co-host to the great white north of Canada. And the one thing I can say about Melissa is one thing her mom left her was her pride. Her, her prod? No, her pride. Her pride. Her, his broad? Oh, never mind. <laughs> I almost went with daddy there, but I had to go with mom because mom is the word. Right. Melissa, you ready to talk uh, Critic Season 2? I am. I've been really excited to talk about it. Well, you know we can't do this alone. We need to bring in our good friend Jeremy Lloyd, right? And since we're both ambassadors, I have to tell you, he did ask if he could be Secretary of Balloon Doggies. Okay. <laughs> so uh, welcome back to the show, Jeremy Lloyd. Ah, how awkward. We've tried to record <laughs> this like, what, this is our third time, right? Third time's a charm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I I I take the blame for that. I I had some issues and then I actually caught COVID. So um yeah, so I was down for the count, uh literally, uh and down for the count on podcasting for a few days after uh because my voice was uh just not there and nobody wants to really hear my voice anyway, but they definitely didn't want to hear my voice uh after dealing with COVID. So if you hear me do some Jay Sherman uh, hackums during this recording, uh, don't mind me. I, it's been been a few weeks since I've I've recorded a podcast, so I don't know how my voice will hold up uh, with long conversation. So <laughs> uh, we were just saying in the last episode we recorded that not only is scheduling the enemy of podcasts, but so is the Midwest weather. In the winter time, because I've I've been fighting a cold myself here for like the last two three weeks. Yeah, we just had like three inches of ice. We didn't even have snow. We had ice. We got a little thin layer of snow dusting on top of all the ice we got. So that's finally melting because now it's like fifty, close to sixty degrees this week. And yeah, I mean that's that's just the Midwest. That's one day it's really cold, the next day it's like springtime. So. I've told Melissa before, I go, it's probably constantly negative 20 up there, but I'll take it because it's constant. I, I can't stand, <laughs> I, I can't stand 41 day and then like 10 the next, like I can't do it. Yeah. 
I've co- I've come to believe that's why my uh, immune system is as good as it is. It's just because I live in Ohio and the weather goes up and down so much, you either adapt or you die, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's we actually we we had 27 days of extreme cold. And we usually have less than that. So it's been a really cold uh cold month. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say I rare I rarely see any posts from Melissa on like social media where it's not snowing. So I'm not sure when summer is in Canada, but oh, I get to see it. <laughs> it's <laughs> It's usually starts in July, lasts until August, and then boom, it's fall and we have winter. <laughs> that sounds like summer in Ohio these past like five years, to be honest with you. Our summers keep getting shorter and shorter. <laughs> yeah. See, it's like by the time it gets warm enough for me to jump in a pool, it's like fall. <laughs> it's like the next week, so. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is here. We We really don't have much of a summer it's our winters are very long and then it's oh yay we get some nice weather and then well time to pull out the finals again (laughs) (laughs) oh well (laughs) so this has been weather chat with uh nation (laughs) (laughs) the two listeners that are still uh on hearing critic season two I mean, the, the uh, only people, uh, the only awkward. people that remember this show are on this podcast. So I mean, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> well, it should be fresh in Melissa's memories because she just watched it for the first time over the last year. So. Mm-hmm. So well, like I said, in. when we oh. when we when we did season one, like I said, I've I've watched this show so much over my life. I. If I do forget something, it'll probably come back to me as soon as somebody mentions something, and I'll be like, oh, yes, I remember that. (laughs) So, Melissa, with this being your uh, first viewing of Season 2, what were your initial thoughts of Season 2? Oh, I enjoyed it, of course. I thought it was good. Um, I I didn't... I I think I enjoyed Season 1 a lot more, though. Um, there's just so much, like, more, to me, more, more funny moments and, and references and things, and, um, there was, there was a couple episodes in this season that kind of lost me, but it was mostly because it was, um, like, the political jokes and references, and then, and obviously, like, I'm not familiar with a lot of American politicians, so, it kind of lost <laughs> lost the funny for a little bit, uh, but overall, no, I I really enjoyed it. And the the drunk bear song is officially an earworm for life. So <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah. I think the writing took a shift once it moved from ABC to Fox. It, it I can see where you're coming from. It also it seems like a little bit more cartoony. Yeah. I think that makes sense because the first season on ABC seemed a lot more, uh, I don't want to say adult, but it seemed almost like a smarter writing, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, I, I've noticed a, a tonal shift from 
the ABC to Fox episodes. So I can see where you're coming from. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And um, I know when I was on Dark Tower Radio with Jeremy, he mentioned that he was happy that you enjoyed it too, for being a first time viewing, at least for season one. So. Yeah. Oh, but, like, you know, like you you had mentioned in the episode that, like, you know, we share that same sense of humor. So it was definitely up my alley, and you know, it was hilarious. So, but uh, but yeah, I do. I, I did notice that sort of shift for this season. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't mean that I I didn't like it or doesn't mean that it was bad. It's just it was different and. Yeah, it, it was a little bit cartoony and and not as smart of humor or smart writing or humor, whatever, as like the first season. But it's all good. Though. I'm glad you won't be a Debbie Downer tonight then. Nope. <laughs> 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 uh, Jeremy, do you have any... Uh... What's the word I'm thinking? Of? Do you have uh, Do you have any fond memories of season two growing up since you grew up with the show like I did? Uh, I remember, uh, you know, when me and my brothers discovered the show, uh, it was it was at the point when it was uh, being re-aired on Comedy Central. I think I mentioned when we recorded before, and uh, so I didn't I didn't really know like the history of the first like when it was first airing. Uh, but, you know, now being older and being a fan of the show, like I kind of know like the little history, because even back then, like the way Comedy Central would air it. I mean, the order they would air it in was just like throwing darts at the wall. I mean, they so <clears throat> Melissa talked about, you know, the way, you know, that it was kind of more cartoony with the second season. I would notice that when I was younger, like the animation would look a little different uh, in certain episodes. And I didn't realize like that was from season two. And the fact that the show moved from ABC to Fox after one season, um, you know, and then there was apparently like some demands from Fox when the show came over there, like things that they wanted the show to address or change, you know, like, for instance, you know, Jay having a girlfriend, you know, that was something that they wanted to see. They didn't think the show had as much appeal because Jay was like the single guy. And, you know, I think Fox was really looking at it as, you know, they wanted the Simpson formula, you know, and they wanted it to be more like the Simpsons. So I think that's where some of the changes came from. And even like Melissa said, and, you know, I think you said, Jared, like with the humor is a little different in some episodes. Like it seems like they're trying to appeal to a broader audience with the humor. Um, but I also noticed in season two that there's some episodes where it feels like they kind of go back to formula from season one in some of the episodes where it does feel like they're trying to sneak in more of that. What made season one, you know, so memorable, but um yeah, it's taken me a long time to kind of separate the two seasons. I think doing it for this show has, has been the first time that I've really had to sit there and, you know, kind of separate the two. Because, like I said, when I was first exposed to the show, it was like on Comedy Central. And we just watched whatever episodes they had on. And at some point we realized we had seen them all. And then when I got the DVD set, you know, I would usually just put it on, you know, just play all and just watch whatever episode. So sitting down and actually looking at what episodes are in each season. Like I do, I do kind of see that difference now. Uh, whereas before I'd never really paid too much attention to it, but 
yeah, the humor is definitely a little different. Um, but, you know, like Melissa said, there's there's still a lot in this season that it's still Jay. It's still, you know, the critic. There's still plenty to love about it. Yeah, I agree there. And uh, I think I actually got to see it on its initial run on ABC. I do remember watching it on Fox for sure, because I think a lot of these episodes and from season two stand out in my memory more. As a kid, like uh, Sherman of Arabia and uh, From Chunk to Hunk and the Siskel and Ebert episode, those just stuck in my memory forever. But uh, which didn't they didn't they try airing it like after The Simpsons or something? Like it was like an animation hour or something where they would have the critic and The Simpsons like back to back or something. They might have, and if I read correctly online, I think that episode where Jay appears in The Simpsons aired right before the critics first episode on fox too mm-hmm. and it would make sense they want it more like the simpsons too because it came from two of the creators of the simpsons too so mm-hmm. yeah i mean it would it makes sense i mean you know especially at that point in time i mean the simpsons i think at that point was really the only you know i guess adult animation show that was successful so they were probably like do it like this. <laughs> you know, this is what we want more of this. Don't be doing something different, you know. But you know, later on you'd get like Family Guy and, you know, Futurama and other shows that would kind of do different different things. Yeah, I say back in ninety four, ninety five, I think the Simpsons were in like their fifty third season back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. That's like my comfort food. Now my wife and I, we just put the Simpsons on, on the Disney plus app, which is something we never, we thought was weird at first, but now we just put it on and just play whatever episodes. And it's just kind of our comfort food now. I've probably watched the Simpsons more than anything on Disney plus. (laughs) (laughs) It was weird at first, right? When you'd see the Simpsons on Disney plus, it was kind of this weird, like taboo. Like, why is this on here? (laughs) <laughs> like, are they really going to do it? Uh, I guess they're going for it. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> well, we well, we saw. I I saw the news today that Futurama is getting new episodes on Hulu, and I mean, I know that's the one show that just does not want to die. But here's hoping that with good reason, know, maybe the critic will, will get a second life with the streaming era. I'm all like I saw the the Hulu news too today with uh, the Futurama and I know that made me excited. I can only imagine how excited Andy and Scotty are now. So that that just gave why not Futurama new life mm-hmm. to keep going. Um, but yeah, I really I've really been hoping that the critic would really pick up because because um, after this we have like a few episodes of a web series and that's really it. Yeah, and apparently John Lovitz does not like people trolling him on Skype about the critic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, when I was researching for this podcast, I, I went down a rabbit hole and I found like people tweeting John Lovitz on Twitter about Jay Sherman and stuff, and he's very cool about it. But it, it is funny that he he is just kind of like, look, it's dead, let it die, it's like it's not coming back. <laughs> so I don't think he really has any high hopes that it that it could come back, but. If if he's approached, I would hope he would say yes. Write a big old check. Because <laughs> money talks in that business. Yes, it does. Well, and I mean, other than Adam Sandler cameos, I mean, what's John Lovitz doing right now? Pretty much. Well, didn't he, didn't he run a 
podcasting theater for a while, or because I know Kevin Smith used to record at the theater that John Lovitz owned. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure he's making money somewhere, but in terms of like entertainment, I usually only see him pop up on Adam Sandler projects um, in terms of acting. But yeah, I'm sure he's got his hands in a whole lot of other projects. We need to bring it back in the in the critic. Like, why not? Most of the original <laughs> cast is still alive. Most of yeah. them, not all. Most of them are. Yeah, I mean, they're. I mean, they the show pretty much had every popular voice actor, you know, you could think of, except for Mel Blanc. <laughs> I mean, we had yeah. all the pretty much all the people from The Simpsons, all the big ones, and <laughs> and Maurice Lamarche, who just made this show his playground. Mm-hmm. I think we lost Melissa. <laughs> no, you guys are talking. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> She's the noob. She doesn't have much to add. She's waiting for the episodes to talk about. <laughs> it, I, I will add that it does surprise me that it hasn't come back in some way. Like, whether it being on being available on a streaming service or like a DVD release or so, like, you know, something like that, that it's still very much sort of tucked away in a corner and where you have to dig for it on YouTube or something. But um, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if it's like, I wonder if it's because of the studio in terms of like, cause I, I think we were talking on social media, Melissa, about like the Nickelodeon stuff is on yeah. Paramount Plus now, like all those classic Nickelodeon stuff. And I guess because it's owned by Paramount or whatever. I'm not sure who owns the critic, you know, is it because it's not really owned by anybody that they could throw it up on their streamer to make some money? Like, I, I don't know. It's, it is weird that you could find stuff like Beavis and Butthead and. Rocco's Modern Life and all these forgotten shows from the 90s, but you can't find the critic anywhere. Yeah, and but what's funny to me though is like I, because I, I saw when you had, you had made the poster about the Paramount Plus thing, and we have that here up in Canada as well. And I went and looked, and I, I kind of was like, I was really excited, so like I signed up for it and whatever, and it, it doesn't have anything. <laughs> it doesn't have any. It has Rugrats. But that's about it. Like for for those classic '90s animated shows, it's like okay. So it's obviously it's a, it's a licensing thing or something. I don't know, but yeah, it's like, it's like the same thing. I went to find with, another co-host for Beavis and Butthead then. <laughs> I mean, it's like Brendan in Australia. There's like weird stuff over there. It's like there's they're just a guy in in the offices of these places that just decide like. Yeah, only America's going to get this. Nobody else is going to get this. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, if you got Paramount Plus in Canada, why can't you have everything that's on Paramount Plus? I mean, I don't... Exactly. The only thing, the only streaming service that seems to be equal on content is Netflix. Like, we seem to have sort of the same content as, like, the United States. They may have a little bit more. I don't know. But it seems to be sort of on the same playing field. Whereas all these other ones just kind of aren't, but I don't know. <laughs> and you guys are north of us, and you can't even get the same streamer that we get, which is just weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm constantly saying it's just why we can't have nice things. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, if we send you a DVD, Melissa, will it play on your DVD players up there, or are you guys, uh, are you guys the Europe style? No, it will, it will play on there. Okay. <laughs> Excuse my American idiocy, because I, I, I wasn't sure what Canada had up there in terms of your media. No, we're, we're, we're on equal ground on that. It's Europe. It's Europe. <laughs> This is why I don't send Brendan any kind of movies or anything in Australia. I don't know what he's watching over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know either, but <laughs> I mean, he was he he still worked at a DVD store like a year ago, so and we haven't had those in like a decade here, so <laughs> Yeah, same here. What are those? <laughs> Brendan was working at the Australian version of Media Play, like, not even a year ago. And I'm like, oh, I remember Media Play. Like, that was a cool place back when I was a kid. Wow. <laughs> this has been Streaming Chat with Jeremy and Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we need Duke Phillips somebody, somewhere on the side telling us to get back to the show. Yeah. <laughs> Statistics show they don't care about your opinion. They're just here for the funny clips. <laughs> Our polls tell us that nobody gives a crap what you think. <laughs> well, any hooters. Uh, how about we just jump right into season two? So we're going and I'm guessing that my DVD has been production order. That's what I'm guessing because it's in a different order than it than anywhere else so we'll start with episode one sherman woman and child jay meets and falls for alice who gives him tips on improving his show and boosting his poor ratings jeremy thoughts on this episode uh so yeah this is you know right out the gate um i remember you know when i was watching this episode i was like oh the show looks so different like why does jay look different you know and uh, Doris looks different. Like just the way they're drawn is is so different than the first season. Um, so right off the bat, you can tell the differences between this one and the in the first season. But uh, yeah, yeah, this is where we get introduced to you know Jay's love interests. You know the character that they kind of inserted in here to give Jay somebody to make him a little more likable, right? Make him more family friendly. Um, it's a fun episode and it has like one of my favorite uh, gifts that I like to use now Jay when he gets his makeover and he comes on the set <laughs> and he's I hope to enter the room one day like that that's that's my that's that's hashtag life goals uh, <laughs> to do that that entrance that he does um, but yeah Alice Alice is a fun character I remember when I first watched the show back in the day, I don't remember really liking Alice a whole lot, but I, I I've come around that I, I really like the character, and I think she just seemed kind of out of place when I first watched the show. Uh, but she's really grown on me the more I've watched the show, and um, yeah, this one has has a couple funny parody clips. I like the uh, Dennis the Menace to Society and the uh, Forrest Gump hanging out with Bill Clinton was a funny one. Gump harder. <laughs> well, I know when we were talking about scheduling this episode for like the first time, 
Um, you also use the GIF of uh, the manic. Let me check my schedule. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is another one I like to use too. Whenever somebody asks if I'm available. <laughs> well, if you if you do the Jay Sherman entrance, maybe your ratings will go from squat to squat and a half. <laughs> Well, this one, this one also uh, pointed out something I never realized was how much Christian Slater sounds like Jack Nicholson in the few other good men bit that he does. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's probably the first time that came on my radar, too. <laughs> Playing that seed in my brain is that Christian Slater sounds like Jack Nicholson. And then we have the Christmas or Nightmare Before Kanika, which was pretty funny that they took the time to do a stop motion <laughs> bit for the <this> show. <laughs> that was like the one parody I could not remember which episode it fell on. And it was so happy to pop up in the first episode. <laughs> and what's with these shows that Jay's going up against? I think in this one, he points out that he's up against like some like singing um, rabbi guys or like, Oh, the, the Benedictine monk variety. Hour? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last season was the Dryer Channel, and now it's uh, <laughs> the Benedictine Monk Variety Hour. Do <laughs> <laughs> you think the Benedictine Benedictine Monk? Uh, sorry, the Benedictine Monks were a thing for a while back in the nineties, weren't they? They released like a couple CDs or something. I I don't know. I mean, maybe that's where it had to have come from somewhere because it's so random. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, my parents own the one of the CDs of that. <laughs> uh, like, vaguely, they were like, that had to be something. But, now I got to look that up, and I'm going to eBay that if I can find it. That's funny. There you go. <laughs> Make sure it has Pretty Woman on there. <laughs> you were so bodacious. <laughs> what, did, what did you guys think of Alice and, and Penny? Um, did you like the... Uh, kind of introduction or inclusion of those characters go ahead melissa yeah um i really like that um it, it was a little bit um it's definitely different like i but in a good way um I, I thought it was kind of neat that he you know ends up meeting these two um people and one obviously she becomes you know a love interest and i really like penny i think she's a great little kid <laughs> <laughs> You didn't like the Lion King. You're mean. Um, but yeah, I I really like that. I thought it was a um, they're great, really great characters. I I really like them from the start. Um, really really fun. Uh, I copy paste that. I think also I think Alice and Jay are just like a perfect match. To the point where I kind of miss Alice in season one. Like I, I don't, I don't mind Jay like going around in season one with uh, Valerie Fox and the the uh, reset the uh, projectionist that tied him up in misery or hooking, <laughs> hooking up with hum, or hooking up with Humphrey the Hippo. But I think Alice is such a good fit for him that I kind of wish they had more of her around. And it seems like she doesn't appear in the mini the webisodes afterwards either. Yeah, see, I'm interested. I, I've held off on checking the webisodes out because I haven't ever watched those, and I'm I'm interested to check those out. 
I think I watched them once. Because I think they're a special feature on the DVD set. Yeah, I, I, I think that's what you had said the last time. I need to pull mine out and, and look at it because um, otherwise I'm not sure where you find those at online. But uh, I'm sure you can find them. But I mean, they were webisodes, so you would think they'd be on the web somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. At John Lovitz on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> hey, John, where's the uh, where's the Jay Sherman webisodes? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, tell me, you guys, uh, have you guys tried to do the uh, Duke Phillips 15-second workout after you watch this episode? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that coordinated to walk on my fingers. Yeah. I don't think that would end well. <laughs> well I love how Doris is able to haul J, uh, throw J2 just as well as Duke can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like a freaking like beach ball or something. Like just nah. <laughs> yes, I'm like refreshing myself on this episode. There's like a lot of talking points in this episode. I mean, this is where we get the uh, the country bears that Duke has in his office in this episode too. Yeah. <laughs> and that that freaking song has remained an earworm. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think he brings one of the bears back, I think, later in the season as a stand-in for Bill Clinton or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when he's running for president. That's, that's not Bill Clinton. Nobody's noticed. <laughs> I know one, one rewatch this episode, I love how when he's asking Duke how to give money to Alice, how he says that the best charity is always uh, discreet and cut across the street to his hospital. All hail Duke. <laughs> Duke is life. Had <laughs> <laughs> the, the pigeon flying into his mouth, like both in the statue and and himself. It's pretty okay. funny. Birds seem to like the sound of my. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of the uh, reference to the deranged mailman wanting to buy a gun with the money Jason's under his door? That, I feel like that was, like, a, a big thing back then, wasn't it? Like, going postal was, like, a thing for a while. Yeah, I remember uh, I took a trip down to Oklahoma back in, like, 2008 or 2009 to see a friend down there, and she drove me by the post office where that term was phrased down in Oklahoma. Going postal was, I think it was down in Edmond, Oklahoma? Yeah, somewhere down there in Oklahoma. That's a post office down there. That's where that term was coined at i guess so yeah i i couldn't remember if it was something that literally like a somebody going postal like a gunman or if it was something that came about during the unabomber thing or i wasn't sure what where that came about but i i remember that being like a that's where that whole catchphrase came from you know was from this time period he said you don't get a lot of that anymore i think that's one of the maybe so, Melissa, being newer to this show, was that a reference you got watching? No. That wasn't something I, I know or I, I got when I watched it. Which I've always kind of wondered, like, and now I need to look into it, was I have several family members that work for the post office. And 
trust me, they get paid very nicely and they live very good lives. I mean, I don't know why they would, why somebody would go postal. I'm using the finger quotations, mm-hmm. um, but you know, maybe there's something behind it. I don't know. Just the, I, it must have started with a post office or something. So it must have been start with a postman that went nuts. <laughs> I mean, our mutual friend Matt Spalding is a is a postman who actually walks and delivers mail. Maybe we could ask him. <laughs> it's uh, Rocco's Modern Life also makes a uh, a little reference to uh, going postal. <laughs> <laughs> That's been an interest. A, that's been an interesting revisit, rewatching some of those episodes of that show. <laughs> it's it's my favorite cartoon of all time. I own all the seasons on DVD. I have my my sister came over one night and she's uh 22, so uh I had let her borrow those. She came over one night so I could do some stuff for her computer. And she's like, "What is this?" I go, "It's Rocco's Modern Life." I go, "You might like it." Is because when she grew up, I when I was babysitting her and her brother, our brother, I'd watch. Uh, Phineas and Ferb with them. Mm-hmm. I go, it's created. It's created by the same guys that did Phineas and Ferb. You might like it. So I got her checking out Rocco's Water in Life right now. I haven't gotten the "What the hell are you making me watch?" text yet. So <laughs> soon. <laughs> did she? Has she said that was a hoot? <laughs> <laughs> not yet. I, I I should have asked her last time I saw her. If she's been watching or not? Probably not. But. I'll have to hit her up after we're done recording here and see if she's started Rocco's Modern Life at all. <laughs> so, any other thoughts on Sherman Woman and Child? Was, no. Yeah. <laughs> One episode. I, I really like the 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 plants falling on Jay. <laughs> hey, oh, this funny man. Then falling down the stairs hurts. <laughs> That that gag always to me, I mean, especially after knowing the history now, always felt like the writers throwing that joke in, like, okay, you want it to be more family friendly, fun humor, here you go. Here's this gag where he gets hit by plants <laughs> walking down the hall. <laughs> yeah. Funny man. <laughs> I I do like the joke when uh, Cyrus comes over and is talking to Alice and he joins in and calling Jay gay like uh like Duke does and he goes Jay is not gay thank you not that I've been eavesdropping <laughs> which I don't remember if that gag was very um used as much as it is in this season in season one but that that's certainly a joke that gets used a lot in this season um, I feel like it it was used a couple times in season one but it seemed to be a little bit more now. Like in, in like in the second season where it was just like okay let's throw in the gay joke, <laughs> but it, it it never seemed like it was overused. Like it always seemed to kind of work and be funny each time. So <laughs> yeah, I'll say I think you, you miss a good reference to that with uh, Ducarella when Alice's sister comes to town. Like she makes a good reference to to, to Jay possibly being gay because I think she calls it uh, his unique interpretation of masculinity. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if there's no other uh, questions or comments about Sherman Woman and Child, 
uh, we can move on to episode two, and that would be Sherman of Arabia. Uh, Jay recalls his heroics during the Gulf War while chaperoning a slumber party for Marty. So, Jeremy, after you. Uh, so this one probably is one of those ones Melissa was talking about that she probably didn't get a lot of the references and stuff because it's, it is so heavily leaning on, I think, the the time period with the Gulf War and Iraq and... Um, I had actually forgotten about this episode, like not like all of it, but just the main plot of him talking about his escapades and in, uh, in Iraq. Um, I remember some of the segments like, you know, the, the <laughs> he haul the next generation and, um, you know, some of the little skits and stuff, but I had forgotten like the whole episode revolved around him being in Iraq. I had forgotten about that. Um, it's a pretty good episode. I think it has has some high high points in it, but um, I think overall, like him being in Iraq, I don't, I didn't, I didn't really much care for that. I like Jay more when he's in New York doing his stuff. Um, it, it's kind of a weird premise that why why he'd be the only critic over there in <laughs> Iraq at that Iraqi film festival. <laughs> Which I, I got to point out, I love the Hot Shots reference. I think the film festival he's at is called the Mother of All Film Festivals, which I thought was kind of funny. It's yeah. Hot, hot Shots reference. Um, and I, I do love the whole, and it's a running gag throughout the show, the whole file photo. Whenever Jay is missing or something, they have to bring up like a file photo of him to show people what he looks like. And it's always like this... <laughs> So I think the one in this, he's like this giant, obese person on the set, like eating something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you always get those jokes randomly throughout the show where he's in an embarrassing moment and the guy comes in like, hey, I'm from so-and-so. I'm just here to get a public photo and <laughs> takes a picture of him in like this embarrassing moment. <laughs> He gets another good one of those in a couple other episodes. I think this episode also starts like the running gag of the kid from Easter Island, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is something else I feel like probably went over. I, I know for me, when I was younger, it went over my head. Um, until I, I, I think probably a history or geography class, I, I saw the Easter Island heads and I finally got it. It's that weird kid who goes to Marty's school. <laughs> <laughs> I am curious as to how he got up those stairs during the commercial break in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Melissa, what about you? Sherman of Arabia. This one, yeah, I, I did really enjoy this one. I thought it was really funny, but it was a little bit uh, a little bit out of place for Jay, just him being in Iraq. And, like, I'm, I'm familiar with it because it's always sort of been a thing. And, you know, so... Uh, that was this was one that I was you know familiar with and everything, but um, but yeah, I, I really liked you know the the Easter Island kid like that was funny like I don't know where he is and he's outside and like <laughs> he can't get in the door, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I it, it was kind of weird for him to be in in a different sort of place, but I think they kind of made it work i guess but it is telling his story of like what he was doing there and you know he just seemed had this experience or whatever so it's 
you know, just another sort of story. And um, I thought it was fine, although it was a little bit, um, uh, it was different uh, to see him, you know, like somewhere else doing, getting caught up and stuff, whatever there. But um, it, it didn't really bother me too much. Um, but uh, yeah, I, th- I thought it was, it was all right. So, yeah. It's kind of of like the in season one where he went to Cuba. I remember that episode. Um, I like parts of it, but I don't remember it being one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, um, I can't. I have the the quote written down, but I can't remember exactly what the the thing was. I think it or was it? It was. Um, Duke, he was wanting to uh, create commercial. What was he doing? Oh, I can't forget, like a gimmick thing, whatever. And well, Ted, Ted Turner is killing us with that tomahawk chop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love how he's, he's coming up with different things, whatever. And one of them is, you know, he, put, he puts his arm up in the air and Oh, it's you know very similar to what the Nazis used, and he's like, oh, do you think they'll mind? <laughs> <laughs> I always like how he did the Michael Jackson spin with it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, this one, this one did bring back a character that I love in this series, um, and they brought him back for no logical reason whatsoever, but just randomly. Uh, Dudley Moore's Arthur character is hanging out with Jay in the desert. He's like one of the people in his his group yeah. <laughs> that they kind of leave behind, and he's talking to the vulture. <laughs> they sent me here to dry out, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> which which is another another joke. Like I said, I, I when I was younger, I I did not get the reference at all. I had no idea what Arthur was. Um, I, I think I kind of knew Dudley Moore was like an actor, but at that time I didn't I didn't get the reference. But this was definitely my first exposure to to that character. That's what I think of all the time now. Whenever I think of that character, so I remember my mom owning Arthur on VHS growing up, so I kind of knew who Arthur was at the time. But like not as much as I do now. <laughs> I probably have more fond memories of the Russell Brand remake in my head than I do of Dudley Moore. But his, uh, his Dudley Moore makes a comeback, too, later in the season also. Yeah, I'll probably remember it when we get there. <laughs> well, he, well, he, def- he definitely makes a comeback in the last episode, but we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let's see, you talked about not getting many of the political references. Did you get the one with uh, the kid in Marty's class that calls President Bush uh, Pukasan? No. Well, it was apparently sometime back in the 90s. I know this was ref- I know uh, comedian Gallagher made a joke about this, too, about uh, Bush puking in the lap of the Japanese Prime Minister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, apparently he was, like, allergic to the food that they were eating or something like that, if I remember correctly. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I want to. I want to say maybe even either Dana Carvey's George W. or either Dana Carvey's George Bush had to make a reference to it too in SNL, or if In Living Color made a reference to it too about him puking in the 
lap of the prime minister, but that was like everywhere back in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think even one of the bits in the naked gun sequel, I think they, they did that. They had, uh, um, Leslie Nielsen's character, uh, puke in, in either the first lady's lap or somebody's lap during a presidential dinner. Oh, references. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you think the the dollar seventy five that the critics raised with their song went to? <laughs> the critic aid, <laughs> <laughs> which I I I really want to like look at that scene again and try to figure out who all those critics are. I mean, there's some of them obviously Gene Shalling, uh, Cisco and Ebert are the big ones, but Rex Reed, Rex Reed, yeah. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, that's one of the things on the show is all the different critics. And I, I feel like growing up and even now, like, I still have no idea who some of these people are. <laughs> I mean, well, Gene Shalley Shall- Shall- is like, so easy to recognize. So, well, I think that's all we knew back and then was just Siskel and Eber because they were everywhere. I think Rex Reed had his time, like, what, the 70s and 80s because he, he appeared in a lot of stuff. And then Gene Shalley, I think, mostly known for what? Doing the Today Show or Good Morning America or something like that. Yeah, so. and I mean he was so recognizable too. Even if you didn't know like who he was, like you were like, oh, the guy with the the crazy mustache and crazy hair. He's still alive too. I think he's in his nineties now. Really? Wow. Like I looked up online, him and Rex Reed are still kicking. Wow. I think this was one of the episodes I do remember the most growing up as a kid. I do remember a lot of stuff in the desert, like doing the the uh, riddle of the Sphinx with all the Dixie Cup jokes. <laughs> <laughs> the sandworm from Dune with yeah. uh, Bob Hope writing it. <laughs> or uh, I do. I think I remember vividly uh, him when they asked if he was exposed to chemical weapons and he turns the lights off and his skeleton is glowing in the glowing in the dark. <laughs> I do when I was revisiting this, probably was in a random rewatch years ago. I do love the exchange between Penny and Doris while they're while she's babysitting uh, Penny. Goodbye, darling. I hope you took us feels better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, she's she sending something. She's being influenced or whatever, and. <laughs> I must taste blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My daughter's only been at your party five minutes and she wants to taste blood. <laughs> one, one other Sounds thing. Sounds so I'm... cute when she says it. <laughs> um, one thing I really, when he's doing the uh, movie review and he's like, oh, it has the, the list of diseases that he would rather have instead of watching a particular film. It's like, I, I love that. <laughs> well, the, the spastic colon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you hold? Oh, you can't. And I really enjoyed that, like when they're they're rescuing him, whatever, and they're trying to lift him out, and it's like this could lift a tank. And they can't lift him up. I think there's a few people in Jordan that didn't hear you. 
<laughs> we heard you. <laughs> oh, yes, we did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be the critic without some some fat jokes <laughs> at Jay's expense. <laughs> we, we do get a good Franklin moment, too, in this, too, when he's talking to George W. Bush. And I gave money to the Republican Party for years and never asked for a single thing. He has to be Secretary of Balloon Doggies. <laughs> I didn't ask for it. The Balloon Doggies demanded it. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the Brown Acres reference, too. The oh, yeah, movie. yeah. I forgot about that one. <laughs> well, that was like one of the movies he's watching besides was it My Mother the Camel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can't remember. The, I think there was like three of me listed off, and Brown Acres, My Mother the Camel. I can't remember the other one. <laughs> I also like the the Cabby Exchange Program. Oh yeah, that was a good gag too. Yeah, <laughs> great well, we, great gag to explain why you can't understand any cabbies in America. <laughs> So who are you pulling for the Cold War? I'm betting on the U.S. <laughs> so Sherman of Arabia. Next up, I have a song for Margot. Jay's stepsister Margot is wooed by grunge rock star Johnny Rath. Alice seeks help from Jay in finding the right school for Penny. Now, uh... Spoiler alert, I kind of told Melissa she really wasn't missing much with this episode. Um, the A plot doesn't really do anything for me, but the B plot with Alice trying to find a school for Penny, I think, is probably the stronger story in this episode. So, uh, Jeremy, what are your thoughts on a song for Margot? Yeah, I'm kind of glad you said that because this is one that I, I kind of forgot. And I think when you, had, you and Melissa had said that this episode was not easily available uh, to find um, even down here it's hard to find and I I think this one I, I ended up finding where I'd found it it's on like a Facebook Facebook uh, watch um, I was able to find the episode there's somebody who shared it or something song for Margo uh, and yeah I mean the, the grunge boyfriend when I saw him like I remembered him but there wasn't a whole lot I remembered from this episode um, uh, the B plot with the daycare is definitely the stronger, stronger part of this episode. Um, there's not even really a whole lot of really good bits, like little bits for this episode. Um, yeah, I'm trying to like skim through it real quick. Well, you get some good, you get now. you get some good, you get some good Franklin moments in this one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. anytime anytime you're with Jay's parents, I mean, those are always good stuff. And and we talked about changes in this season. I'd say like one of the better changes for this show in season two is that Jay's mother seems more motherly and warm <laughs> in this season than she did in season one. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But you do get some good moments with uh with Jay's dad dressed up like the Energizer Bunny for just no reason. <laughs> <laughs> Getting chased by hunters later in the episode. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, anything with Franklin, you don't really have to <laughs> need any explanation for why he's doing something. <laughs> yeah, because, like, like, one of the best jokes with him in this episode, too, is when Margot's talking to her mother about the episode, or about uh, 
her boyfriends and it says it takes a long time to bring a man to a good a good boil and you see Franco just walk by making like bubbling noises. <laughs> <laughs> I love how we get an Ed Codge reference in this one again. Which I don't think we got we got in season one with the Ghostbusters three. But uh yeah, the, yeah, for, how am I doing? former how am I doing? New York New York mayor that <laughs> not many people remember. I'm not doing so good. <laughs> um, I have to say that, 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 that B plot was a lot stronger. Like you get a reference to uh, Sean Young being crazy, <laughs> which is dressed oh, up yeah. to blow beer bottle. That's the last time I heard Sean Young to be a dancing <laughs> beer bottle. <laughs> I like the different schools that she takes Penny to like the nightmare on Elm street preschool and, Oh um, yeah, has the, uh, has the sandworm come up through the <laughs> to the floor? <laughs> yeah, the Oliver Twist preschool. Have we made enough Simpsons merchandise? <laughs> I think another probably kind of a taboo joke we got in this one was uh, when Michael Jackson calls the the hoity-toity preschool and so that they have any openings. <laughs> Which you have to remember, this came out in '95, so I mean, this was like, I mean, I don't, I don't remember when all the Michael Jackson stuff really, really took off, but yeah, I mean, that's even by today's standard, that's like, that's <laughs> a pretty, it's a pretty touchy joke there. It'll pull the shirt collar, like when they make a reference to Bill Cosby later in the season too, like, Ugh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rebel without a Cosby or something like that. Is that what it's called? Yeah. I always thought this episode was what was weird in this episode was the butler when he starts doing the Dr. Seuss rhyme out of nowhere. Mm, Yeah. It just changes. I never remember his name either. The butler's name. Oh, Shackelford. Yeah. (laughs) I think the only thing I like about that part is when. when Eleanor says, uh, I wish I wouldn't use the word itch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although I, I'm going to reference the meatloaf in this episode, too, which is kind of timely. Because uh, Melissa, Jay, and uh, Margo go to Johnny, was it Nuns in a Blender is their band name? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so they go to a Nuns in a Blender concert, and they pull Jay on stage with a crane. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you hear a guy in the crowd go, hey, it's meatloaf. <laughs> get a little Howard Stern in this episode, too. You get a lot of Howard parties. Stern this season. Yeah. Yeah, the, the fat jokes with Jay, I think, are always funny because they, they make him out to be like, so much fatter than he actually is like i said like the the file photo they always show of him he's like this giant obese person but he's really not <laughs> i think that's why the the fat jokes really work for me because they're pointing out something <laughs> he's not really that fat but they make it out like he is they, they really went lean down heavily in the howard stern in season two also hmm yeah, because you have to get the cockroach king later on another episode. Melissa, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, do you have any questions or anything about this episode? 
Um, we kind of, I was just thinking about this, and I did think about this when I was watching the season that, like, you know, mentioning, like, more of the uh, Franklin Sherman stuff, that there was some really good stuff with him in that episode, and I kind of noticed that there wasn't a lot from him um, as much as there was in season one, because I feel like there was a lot of, of moments with him and everything, and and there didn't seem to be much of that in, I mean, in the season, really. Um, so I was like, that was something I was sort of thinking about. Like, yeah, I don't see much of him. But obviously in this episode, um, there's a lot of, you know, sort of funny moments with him. Yeah, he's he's more featured in this season. But we do get, like, one whole episode around him and Eleanor yeah. later on. But, yeah, he mostly just pops up for the quick joke here and there. Throughout the most of the season, I almost wonder if he's uh, he's one of those characters that maybe Fox was like, you know, we don't get it. Like, can you pull him back a little bit? Like, because it seems like in season one, like he was in it a lot and he was just so random with his <laughs> jokes and, you know, when he was in the episodes. But like he is featured heavily in this season, but it, it just seems like the craziness is dialed down a little bit. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that. And I could I could definitely see like yeah, he he's a different character. He's not somebody that you can you really get or get an understanding of. He's just a random guy. He's <laughs> just utterly hilarious, but he I don't think he's he, he's not really for everyone because not everybody's really going to get him and what sort of his, his deal is, I guess. But um, so I could I could see that being a kind of an outside thing, being like, yeah, let's dial him in, rein him in a little bit, because maybe not a lot of people are going to get it, or they didn't get him as a character. But at least we still get to see him and have him be random and hilarious as always. But yeah, it was something that I, I noticed that like he wasn't really, he was there for the quick joke and sort of an in and out, like, thing but then he, he like he they did have the episode with you know with them so you know maybe that's sort of made up for not so much having him sort of always there but yeah so you think the new cartoony style this season took over that he would fit more uh-huh. into this season because you almost opened the door for him to do more insane shit uh-huh. Which, like he like I said, he does get his moments throughout the season, but like yeah. he's at the the force that he was in season one. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the humor thing is so weird because when you read some of the articles about what Fox like was looking at, like what they wanted the show to be more like, like I I almost wonder like did they even watch the show because some of the stuff that they were wanting, like I feel like it was in season one. You know, and some of the changes that they wanted to make to the show, it just, I, I don't know. It, some of the stuff just didn't make sense. Like you guys said, like Franklin, he's a character that would fit right in with a more cartoony uh, vibe. But then at the same time, I think the reason he worked so well in season one was because he was so kind of out of the box compared to everybody else. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did like from this episode, I like the drunk ET. <laughs> I 
from the coming oh, yeah. attractions where he's got Elliot in the he's drinking while Elliot's riding a bike and they try to fly through the moon and Elliot ends up falling off the bike because E.T.'s drunk. That was that was pretty hilarious. I was flying better when I was out of flu. <laughs> I had forgotten about that one. <laughs> yeah, like I said, like I think this this show was like Maurice Lamarche's playing ground, man, because he just opened the door for him to do so many of his impressions that he's known for. <laughs> well, like, it's, yeah, think, it's so funny that they that they blend things together in this show that make no sense in terms of like, because I think like E.T. even pops up later in the season, like in the actual show, like not like a coming attractions movie. He's just like on the set or something of coming attractions. Yeah. Uh, Duke brings him back. <laughs> <laughs> he's like cleaning the floor or something like that. <laughs> It's like, like we said, you got Dudley Moore as Arthur as just like a character, like in Jay's life. (laughs) I thought he was a character in a movie, but I I just love how they just randomly blend things together. Like, oh, no, we're just going to have this character interact with Jay, even though he's a a fake movie character. (laughs) It definitely took a weird turn in that this season, but I still enjoyed it. So that was a that was a song for Margo, and like, like I, 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 are you aware of the crazy Sean Young at all? No. So look up the story of her wanting to be in Batman Returns. <laughs> she right. shows, so so Sean Young was supposed, originally supposed to be Vicky Vale in Batman '89, but she uh, broke her ankle. During a scene, so she couldn't do it, she had to back out. So she was petitioning hardcore to be Catwoman in Batman Returns to the point where she showed up at Tim Burton's office at Warner Brothers Studios dressed as Catwoman. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> so I, I think they're really they're like trying to, I think they're really going for with this because they have her as a, a dancing beer bottle in this for a commercial for bloat beer. Which I think they play it during the E.T. segment. <laughs> and uh, she ends yeah. up breaking the top off of her bottom trying to cut Jay. <laughs> and she ends up working at Duke's preschool for Penny as her, as was it, as her dance instructor. <laughs> I think they're really trying to channel like... So this time in her career, she was on uh, Ace Ventura. Yeah, I think so. I, I I was just thinking, I was, you know, kind of putting that together, the, just that whole reference. Like, I think it's, like, further proof that this show was kind of ahead of its time. Because you think of, like, like you know, like, me and you know that now, Jared, but that's, like, something that would, stuff that would be on the internet right now. You know, like, these backstories, like, on set for movies and things like that. And it's like the critic was referencing something that like how many people watching the critic would even know that, you know what I mean? Like, it seems like such an insider joke that unless you like follow like behind the scenes of movies really close back in 95, like, would you even get that reference, you know? But it's like now it's like with social media, it's like everybody knows about everything that goes on on set with movies. And it's like. Couldn't imagine what the critic would be able to play with now and all the jokes that people would get, 
you know, because we do have all that access now. Well, first of all, I think coming attractions would be a podcast now. <laughs> but um, like going off your point, Jeremy, they make a lot of references to Marlon Brando in this season too. Mm-hmm. Like all the outlandish demands and stuff that he would make to the point where we have like a Marlon Brando kid that goes to Marty's school. <laughs> Well, speaking of, that's a good transition. Uh, so move on to episode four uh, from Chunk to Hunk. Jay and Marty go to camp to lose weight and both discover that they are actually happier being fat. <laughs> We're introduced to the Marlon Brando kid. <laughs> Marty's school. <laughs> but uh, Jeremy, go ahead. Uh, this one was a good one. I, I remember this one um, mostly because of the exorcism camp that's next door to the, <laughs> the fat camp. <laughs> Again, just like so random, such a random joke, but uh, it, it's one that they just keep bringing back throughout the episode that I liked. Um, I, I love the uh, the whole Bill Clinton video that the kids watch at Marty's school. Where his his assistant delivers him McDonald's. <laughs> For some reason, Bill Clinton uh, in this show, the way he's portrayed, just cracks me up. And is that the same guy doing his voice as well, Jared? I, I think I think it's I think a bulk of it's got to be Maurice Lamarche. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Bill Clinton was just such a punchline back in '90s. You know, I remember he was always referenced on SNL constantly. I think he was one of the funnest presidents that SNL had fun with. Um, yeah, I, I, I like this episode. Um, you know, just the whole thing with Jay and Marty going to the fat camp together. And uh, I almost wish they would have played on it a little more with Jay at the fat camp than they did. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I like the uh, the fugitive reference with <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones, like, when Jay escapes the camp and they got to go try to find him. <laughs> House of Pies. <laughs> then, what, what did the so Jay that was the one you talked about like, where it was like a ring. Uh, two pounds. Yeah, two pounds. That's what it was. <laughs> yes, back to my college weight. <laughs> well, this one also makes reference to of a uh, Oprah back in the nineties having that problem with gaining weight and losing weight too. Yeah. He's lost thirty-five pounds. See you next month, Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one that had the cockroach king bit in it too, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Problem these edible cockroaches. I, I well, did like I'm, Jay's uh, entourage that he has later in the episode. Yeah. The Mr. Well, <laughs> well, speaking of, I was going to ask, when are you and Guy going to cover uh, Bag Boys in the Hood starring Jean-Paul the Pope? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny that he's obviously like a ripoff of like Steven Seagal and Jean-Claude Van Damme. But for some reason, they don't just call him that. They make it like a fake <laughs> character. But then they, they reference Arnold Schwarzenegger by name. And he's like a character in the show, but <laughs> yeah, Stallone and Schwarzenegger are called out by name, but they have to make him like a generic character. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got my regular bag, boy. <laughs> What'd you guys think of chiseled uh, Marty Sherman? Melissa's waiting for Marty to drink his Diet Coke right now. <laughs> well, I thought it. Um, well, I thought it was kind of funny. Um, that you know, and then they how they you know sort of, you know, they make reference to like, oh, you know, they only like you because you're, you know, uh, because of how you look and whatever. It doesn't matter, you know. About who you are or personality, or like, oh, it's just how you look. Like, oh, you can be whatever. <laughs> I forgot the name of the the name of the voice actress. She makes a cameo as one of Marty's classmates. The the kid who uh, do you chaps have any Vicks vapor rub? I have a cold upon my chest. <laughs> so I know it's the voice actress that voiced uh, Martin on. Uh, Simpsons, and she's also many miles for the longest time, too, but I can't think of her name right now. So my memory that always, uh, that always took out, stop, you're sewing my dicky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know I, something I, weird, though, watching this episode of Chisel Marty. Chisel Marty has an earring. I never noticed that before. Oh, does he? Yeah, but really? Fat Marty doesn't. Hmm. After I watched episodes after this, I was like studying. Like, does Marty have an earring after this? And he doesn't have an earring after this one, so I don't know why he got it when he was thin. But I was trying to figure out, like, just because he lost weight, why does his face like he has a completely different jawline and everything? I mean, yeah. it's like <laughs> I, I did like how he gains all his weight back going by the ice cream store and they say that their freezer's broke, they need somebody to eat like 15 gallons of ice cream. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. trying to resist uh, like all these other things and oh, ice cream. <laughs> I was wondering why he had to resist the bananas though because aren't bananas healthier because they show him eating celery when he's talking to Jay <laughs> on the phone. Melissa, <laughs> <laughs> we'll you have any thoughts on uh, From Chunk to Hunk? Well, I thought I thought this one was fun. I I really liked, you know, uh, this one I I really enjoyed. I thought it was uh, really funny and um yeah, I, I like a lot of things that you know Chris sort of mentioned at the beginning of when we started talking about this. Like yeah, the oh Jay got lost is um they couldn't find him at the camp, so he had gone away and needed to find him. Oh, they found him at the house of pies and uh, <laughs> and I really like the the line of. You know, underneath there's a thin man trying to get out, and the thin man crawls out. <laughs> that well, guy comes back later too. Yeah. <laughs> Just, that, is is that is that like the guy that does droopy dog voice? It sounded like it, or yeah. a good impressionist. Yeah. And and I really liked at the uh, beginning too the Keanu Reeves in speed reading. Oh yeah, that was this episode. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> oh, I can't remember gosh. what it was. Like, you have to read at this whatever. <laughs> Fifty-five words a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
it's so funny now to think like how much Keanu Reeves was like a punchline back in the nineties, like because he was like just so known for Bill and Ted. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Bill. the critic made every joke about Keanu just based on that performance in Bill and Ted. Like that's all he could do. And obviously now we know like he's a much better actor than just that. Yeah, because he's also referenced too for being a, again it was it Star Trek the Next Generation or something like that, or the X Generation <laughs> or something like that. It's him and Christian Slater. <laughs> Also, I thought you would have liked the joke with a uh, penny when she writes a letter to Marty. Uh, Marty, I wrote you a letter. <laughs> it's just a single letter on a page. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can read it on the bus. <laughs> yeah, I really like that. I probably laughed a little bit too hard at that. But <laughs> I laughed too hard at the Marlon Brando kid in this episode. Really hard. I'll take the pun of Peter Pan, but no less than a million dollars. <laughs> My good friend must play Captain Hook. <laughs> <laughs> and when he goes, uh, uh, when Marty goes, why don't you hire him? And I was, oh, I'm sorry, I'm auditioning for the role of Blarney Stone in the St. Patrick's Day pageant. <laughs> and the <laughs> kid from Easter Island walks by, oh, that kid's a lock. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like the part where Marty comes back and he's he's fat playing Peter Pan and he's like swinging in the auditorium and and he's like, Mama, I'm scared. Peter Pan's scaring me and she's like, We're all scared, honey. <laughs> yes. Did you ever notice that the the director is tying a noose? Dang, Marty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like string him up, and he's like tying a noose. Like, oh god. <laughs> well, I think this was the first time watching this. I think watching it for this show, paying close attention to it, it was when they when they had the banner in front of the school for Peter Pan. Do you see the review underneath it? No, I didn't see that. So the review, the review for Peter Pan at the school was, I laughed, I cried, oh, a manic yeah. depressive. we also saw the easter island kids parents in the crowd watching the play yeah (laughs) i don't know if that's the only time we ever see them but (laughs) i I don't remember seeing them anymore just seeing the the easter island their kid i don't mean the marlon brando kid got to play nanny in the oh nana in the play. nana in the play yeah. <laughs> this biscuits keep my uh, this biscuits keep my breath fresh though <laughs> <laughs> I like how Vlada's kid plays Tinkerbell mm. what uh, the Easter Island kid crushes him I made one one in my tutu <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've seen Vlada's kid since season one. No, and I always found it weird that he goes to school with with Marty. <laughs> Which, I mean, Marty going to the UN school is weird, too, but <laughs> it doesn't really make sense. <laughs> Which I've always wondered for the longest, like, was that like a thing or something? Like, where did they even come up with that? <laughs> I don't know, but I kind of dig it, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. love the principal of that school. Uh, 
President Magasutu? Yeah. <laughs> he's just a dick and he doesn't care. Yeah. Especially when you know, like he has the the um Jay has the, the I love farm animals, whatever, and they're like, What <laughs> what are they doing? And I don't know and <laughs> I like his little joke about uh, President Clinton, President Clinton's groundbreaking performance. <laughs> well, I love how that joke comes back too, because they use it early in the episode with Jay and Rush Limbaugh rushing through the lobby. Yep. <laughs> and this is where you get that photographer coming to take a photo of Jay with his uh, butt sticking out of the floor with the face written uh, drawn on it. And we get the Humphrey the Hippo um, cameo. Yeah, Humphrey the Hippo gets a couple of cameos this season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's episode one of the season where Madonna's on Humphrey the Hippo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's just like swearing her head up. He's like, oh my. <laughs> you kiss your mother with that mouth? Yeah, I also. first two episodes of this season started off heavy with Madonna jokes because I think they made one about Saddam Hussein in the episode, episode two where Jay says in, uh, when he's in Iraq saying that Hussein's everywhere. He's like Madonna only with fewer enemies and a smaller mustache or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Madonna was a pretty big target back in the 90s too. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, South Park used to have fun with her too. In the early seasons. So, any other thoughts on from Chunk to Hunk? Yeah. Other than yeah, I really enjoyed this one again. So, yeah, it was really funny. All right. So the next one I have up is Lady Hawk. Alice is jealous when Jay is courted by Jeremy's beautiful sister, and Jay finds himself in an unusual position of having to choose between two women. So, Jeremy, after you. Uh, one thing that defines this episode, Yesterday Night Live with the Sweaty Guy. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Sweaty Guy. <laughs> uh, which is so funny because... John Lovitz was on Saturday Night Live, and I love the fact that rather than just doing Saturday Night Live, they call it Yesterday Night Live. <laughs> and it's yeah. obviously a homage to Saturday Night Live, and I love how they like make like the token black guy, the the fat guy, the crazy <laughs> woman, the, the crazy woman. <laughs> the Rolling Stones are like really old, and this is like '95, and we're still making that joke today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I like I like this episode. The whole thing with Jeremy having a sister, and um, I love the whole resolution at the end where I think he tells him like, "Oh, you're you're only attracted to my sister because she reminds you of me." And <laughs> he starts starts seeing Jeremy every time he looks at her. Um, yeah, this was a good one. Um, it's got some good bits in it. I like the, um, was it the, instead of little women, it's little men. It's like Joe Pesci and, uh, Dudley 
Moore. Dudley Moore, of course. <laughs> and then Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox. That was a good one. Um, yeah, I, 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 the Yesterday Night Live stuff was really funny, though, and I love how they bring that back. Like, the sweaty guy comes back later on in the episode. Um, it, must have, it must have just been a Fox thing, because what did uh, – Simpsons use Tuesday Night Live or something like that. Probably, yeah. Yeah, but yeah I don't like know. A, what, what was the Mr. Sweaty guy? Is that like a uh, is that like a reference to Chris Farley? I'm assuming it almost had to be. I think yeah. so because at the think at the time this episode came out, that was on the time Farley was starting or in his heyday. Mm-hmm. I like the John Lovitz meta thing we get. Yeah. Early on the episode where John Lovett shows up at the restaurant. So, <laughs> guy, you do kind of look like him. You sound well, like you, him. You kind of sound like him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, they also had they also had the bit where Jay's in the crowd and he talks. He drops some of John Lovett's catchphrases from SNL too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like the um, another one that. Uh, it was seemed like a joke back in the nineties was the, uh, Oh, uh, I'm blanking on his name. The director that ended up with like this really young girl, uh, well, uh Woody, Allen. Woody, Woody Allen. Yeah. He's like, Oh, she's perfect. Jay. Does she have a daughter? <laughs> so me, so me, I'm sorry. 22 is just old, too old for me. <laughs> There was a lot of that going around back in the 90s, too, with Woody Allen. Yeah. Yeah, this this felt like, I mean, I, Alice was kind of brought in to be, like, Jay's interest. And, um, I mean, I guess this kind of expands on that, you know, kind of tests his, I guess, affection for her with this episode. But this did, I feel like there's been a couple episodes where there's been some a girl that kind of stepped in and, Try to win Jay's heart, I guess. Yeah, even the pilot was like that, you know, the actress trying to tempt him with, um, you know, going out with him to get a good review for her movie. Makes you wonder how, look at the way he does, how he's able to land these gorgeous women like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, apparently later on in the season, I don't remember what episode it is, Duke makes reference that he makes like 300,000 a year or something. Yeah. So does like, Dor- so does Doris. Yeah. He's like, you speak for the 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 uh, normal guy who makes three hundred thousand a year, and he's like, normal people don't make three thousand dollars a year. Can I, can I get an advance on my three hundred thousand? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Melissa, any thoughts on Lady Hawk? Uh, yeah, this one was good. Um, I, I really liked the yeah the Mr. Sweaty guy. That was quite funny. Um, you know that put in a different situation. Or whatever. The, oh, you um have an original copy of uh, Constitution. What, Constitution or that it's been kept dry for over two hundred years. You, you know. <laughs> um, and I, I did kind of like that. You know. Yeah, you have like Alice and Jay, but then you have the the other lady who kind of comes into that, and and yeah, like looking at 
you know, relationship or whatever. So it's sort of expanding on the, on the character and, and things like that. So it's kind of neat. Um, I also like when they, when they first meet her and <laughs> Jay says out loud, you know, I wonder what she, well, I wonder what she looks like naked. Uh, I mean, uh, I wonder what she cooks like naked. <laughs> <laughs> You said that out loud. <laughs> you idiot. You said that part out loud. <laughs> this is also the episode you... where we find out uh, how Franklin and Jay's mom got together with a Popeye montage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a fun little thing right there for them. That's definitely how I think that that's how the world looks in Franklin's head, I think, half the time. <laughs> well, what was he, he? He punches like a comet and drinks till he vomits. Yeah. Franklin the sailor man. <laughs> what What'd you think of the True Lies 2 cameo with uh, Tony Curtis instead of Jamie Lee Curtis? <laughs> that was funny. So if you and Guy record True Lies, I'm going to pop in there and go, I used to dance like this for Kirk Douglas. <laughs> okay, that was that was probably one that went over my head back in the day because I was like, didn't know who Tony Curtis was. <laughs> I just thought of, while we're on the subject of uh, with Franklin and the Papa the Sailor Man, we missed a good one for Franklin in uh, a song for Margo where he dresses as Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my name is Mrs. Doubt Franklin. Watch me, watch me lose my false teeth and set my bosoms on fire. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm seriously now. I'm sad. I'm, I've not been able to watch that episode. <laughs> There's got to be like a best of Franklin montage clip somewhere on YouTube. Oh, yeah. I, I, I believe there is. Unfortunately, not enough Franklin T-shirts available, though. No, I mean not enough critic T-shirts in general. No. Like nothing. It's sad. <laughs> I know. Me and Jared have the uh, super critic one. That's like a homage to Super Mario Three. Yeah, right. I got it. It's it's in my dresser right now. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I, I I want a I want a Franklin T-shirt. In the style of the Obama Hope uh, poster, and it, instead of Hope, it says Nilknoff on it. That's what I want. Yes, that'd be great. <laughs> I remember I watch I watch a lot of cinema stuff, but I think I sent it to both of you guys when uh, when the cinema stubs reviewing Child's Play Two. The guy that does the voice of Franklin plays the stepdad in Child's Play Two. So when he cuts over to him speaking for the first time, it, he dubs over it by saying Nilknoff. Yes. <laughs> one of, one of these days I'm gonna get on my computer and and do a really good rendering and design of that. <laughs> yes. It's try so... to try to find a way to print that or make it available. <laughs> I'll give you my twenty bucks right now. <laughs> yeah, I'll hand over my money too. <laughs> I don't. I wonder if I could sneak that by T Public on my T Public account if they would flag me for copyright or not. 
like, I don't know, it was your design or whatever, I think it would be. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, not to go off on a side tangent, but yeah, that is like a weird thing on there because there's, pl- I mean, just like the shirt me and Jared has, like, that's obviously Jay Sherman from the critic, but like yeah. it's uh, some person like designed that and put it up there, so I, mm-hmm. I doubt that they're having to pay any kind of copyright stuff yeah. for it. So I've I've just bought shirts from them. I just, I just bought a jackass shirt off of them that has the crutches and skull logo on it. It says if you're gonna be dumb, you got to be tough, and I. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I bought uh, a mask a year or two ago off of there. It has scorpion on it, so stay over there. That's that's all copy. That's all copywritten. So I just I I created a T Public account, so I I I have like the logos for my podcasts up there. And uh, if you've never done it before, like it was a process to get my account created because I think it's the algorithm they use when you submit your artwork um it sometimes flags it and then you have to go through this whole dispute thing with with the people over there at t public where you have to send them like your raw file to prove that you designed it like it's it's kind of a process not to go off on a side tangent but maybe someday (laughs) yeah it it so has to be a thing Any other thoughts on Lady Hawk? I did like Jay's brawl with the chicken guy at the KFC restaurant. (laughs) Much better than Peter Griffin. Yes. (laughs) He'll spork your ass. (laughs) He'll spork your ass. The balcony, the balcony scene's pretty funny too. I did want to mention that where Jay's out on the balcony and he loses his towel and it starts storming, and then Jeremy goes out there and it's like all sunny and rainbows. I do want to say though, I've never met a single Iowan that talks like that Iowan in that episode though. <laughs> Fat naked man in the balcony there. <laughs> he he had like kind of this almost like kind of a Canadian or what people think Canadians sound like. <laughs> It was like so kind of weird. So apparently Adam Sandler wrote that episode because I remember, uh, I think, because I was what? What's the uh, Dicky not, not uh, Dicky Roberts with Nick Swartzen, born to be a star, becomes a porn star. Mm, yeah. Uh, he had the Iowans in that one sound like they're from like northern Minnesota or with or Canada. They have them sound like we're like us Iowans talk like we're in Fargo. <laughs> Well, I, th- I think most people, like, for the longest time, like, got their Canadian accent reference from, like, Second City or something. Like, they thought that's how all Canadians talked. It's like, um, you know, the guys on that show. I always thought they sounded like Winston Rothschilds from uh, Red Green. <laughs> <laughs> It's a deep cut reference that not many people probably know. <laughs> I've seen Red Green live twice. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> this podcast is the home of the deep cut. <laughs> Why do you think? What do you think that? Uh, how do you like the fact that uh, Franklin and Penny think on the same level to refer back to Ricky Lake? <laughs> I 
I also like the clean the queen clean the Tifa thing is fucking random as hell too, but uh, I, I yeah, find it absolutely <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> this isn't did the Washington's head. <laughs> so at this point in her career, she's probably still a rap star, wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah. I remember her performing on In Living Color. She had to be close to this time. So now I think an episode that Melissa's pretty excited for because she gets her Franklin fix in this one. Uh, the next episode is Frankie and Ellie Get Lost. <laughs> Jay's parents disappear on their 40th anniversary vacation, and Jay and Margot suddenly inherit their vast fortune. Jeremy, thoughts on this episode? Uh, this one, this one's really good. Like you said, you get a lot of Franklin and Eleanor, uh, <laughs> and apparently all of Franklin's craziness is all from booze, I guess, because he gets sober in this episode and um, he gets all fit and healthy, and his craziness kind of goes away. <laughs> so I guess it's, I guess it's just all alcohol. I guess that's <laughs> that's why he's crazy. Um. Yeah, this one this one was pretty funny. I was uh, trying to pull it up because I was trying to remember some of the references in that one. Um, because most of the stuff I remember is just Franklin and Eleanor on the island, and um, I love how they have a they have a monkey that looks like their butler. I thought that was pretty funny. Shackle um, ape. <laughs> yeah. And he keeps talking about like he's gonna kill kill Franklin and take Eleanor as his bride. <laughs> um, yeah, this this was a good episode. I, I, I'll probably remember more as you guys talk about it. So, Melissa, did this fill your uh, Franklin need? <laughs> yeah, for sure. It was This one is especially funny, uh, especially with all the Franklin stuff. And um, I really liked, you know, Orson Welles narrating their the living will and him. <laughs> yes, yes. More Sorry, Orson no. Welles. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to kind of be all dramatic and whatever. No, this is just, you know, living, uh, just a will. And then how he, he you know, turned um, him in the you know, commercials or whatever, promoting things and Oh, I just wanted my love of fish sticks. <laughs> it's a declaration of love. <laughs> I I do I do love uh, Maurice LaMarche's Orson Welles voice. It's the voice he used for Brain and Pinky the Brain. Yeah. Then he also also about this time he also was the voice of uh, Orson Welles and Ed Wood. Vincent D'Onofrio Vincent D'Onofrio played Orson Welles, but. Uh, Maurice LaMarche dubbed the voice. Huh. I'm going to share a secret now. I've never seen Ed Wood. Ed Wood? Who wouldn't? I'd give it 83 stars. Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is one that slipped through the cracks. I have not been able to watch that one. Just haven't That's, gotten around to it. It's pretty good. Like, Johnny Depp's really good in it. Bill Murray's really good in it. It's got It's got a lot of the staples. It's got a lot of Tim Burton staples from the 90s in it, but it's it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa, one thing I was wondering watching this episode, did you get the references to El Cabong in this one? 
No. Um, was it? I, I'm, and I'm honestly, was it referencing something? Yeah. So, are you familiar with? You're familiar with Hanna Barbera cartoons, right? Yeah. Uh, Quick Draw McGraw had an alter ego named El Cabong, and he would hit people with guitars. Oh, okay. See, I'm, I, yeah, I'm not familiar with that. So, yeah, that was something that I thought it was just a random thing where he was like, make way for El Cabong, Cabong. <laughs> yeah, Quick, yeah, Quick Drum McGraw had an alter ego named El Cabong, and he dressed like that and hit people with guitars. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. I I did not realize that it was a, a separate reference to something, but that's funny. And that was like one pop culture reference I didn't think would like carry on maybe to younger audiences because the, the Hanna Barbera cartoons have that much of a a force anymore in pop culture right now. I don't think so. Probably not since the Yogi Bear movie came out with Dan Aykroyd back in the uh, mid two thousands. I don't think. Yeah. Well, I'm sure, like, yeah, they're still relevant to our, our friends like Michael and Scotty and everybody <laughs> else. But, um, like, I was wondering if, like, a younger audience would get, like, the reference to El Cabong. Yeah. Well, I could tell, one of the reasons I could tell Melissa was watching the episodes for the season because she made a reference about a penguin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do, I posted up on Facebook, I'm like, you know, wait a minute, penguins can't fly. <laughs> and he's been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I really love when they're the they're driving to the airport and um, you know, Franklin's like, Oh, can't you see that we're in danger? And it's like a Donkey Kong game. <laughs> and he honks the horn to jump the car and <laughs> <one> barrels. <laughs> I got to keep bringing back the penguin in as a joke too throughout the episode. Yeah. I don't care. How, I don't care how many stewardesses you bagged here, a lousy pilot. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, in the black box. No, I will not pray with you. <laughs> and I, I do enjoy. Uh, and this, this is more at the beginning when um, Alice is going to meet uh, Jay's parents and. <laughs> It kind of has the backstory, sort of a, a flashback, whatever, where Franklin, he pokes the, the, girl, <laughs> the girl's fork and it's a blow-up doll. And then he does that to Alice. He's like, oh, it's a real one. <laughs> <laughs> She's a real one. <laughs> so. What did you guys think that. of the uh, the parents' uh, different companies that they own that Jay went and visited? I thought that was funny. Kind of, you know, sort of giving them um, kind of like a, a what, what am I going for here? Um, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You get, you get another Humphrey the Hippo cameo. Yeah. Yeah, I, I the one I remember mostly is the pharmaceutical. We put the harm in pharmaceuticals. Yeah. <laughs> I always remember the one with the those phlegm fatal cigarettes with Humphrey the Hippo getting kids to smoke. <laughs> yeah. And the the guy that says, oh, well, 
getting if encouraging kids to smoke and have sex is wrong, then lock me up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also like those at the advertising company they own too, where uh, they do the the gap was the gap commercial for gay generation Xers and they got the Paul Lind reference. Yeah. <laughs> I like Uncle Arthur. <laughs> Again, like Paul Lynn, like that would have been one I wouldn't have gotten back in the day. <laughs> I mean, even even though he was obviously like, you know, well known back then, but as young as I was, like I didn't I didn't know who Paul Lynn was. I think I recognized the voice as as the rat from the original Charlotte Charlotte's Web cartoon. That's what I always remembered his voice from. I'd probably say the same for me too. Is uh, Temperton or yeah, Yeah, I haven't seen Charles Webbin forever. But now with the glorious internet that we have all kinds of reference, all kinds of callbacks to Paul Lind now. <laughs> and then we get, like Jay, the, get Jay's cleaning up New York, which was pretty funny. The pubic library. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And the giant gumball that crushes Greg Gumbel. <laughs> I think Doesn't, this is uh, one of the first Roseanne references they make, too, in this episode, too, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I can't remember if it was a previous episode where he's watching Roseanne, but, yeah, this is one where they... Oh, it's, oh it's, it's a Marty Slumber Party where they turn on Roseanne and... Uh, it's an episode where Roseanne gets kissed by a woman or something like that. But yeah, this is they make a full fledged uh, reference to Roseanne here, where she arrives like a velociraptor in a, in a cage <laughs> on the train. <laughs> Isn't there a part where Orson Welles like appears as like a ghost when uh, Jay's mom is like a like a ghost type, you know? Vision or whatever to Margo, like isn't yeah. Orson Welles one of the other ones that pops up? Well, I have gone to a better place, a place of <laughs> Mrs. Fell's fish sticks. <laughs> yes, they're even better when you're dead. Uh, somehow I gotta put the Orson Welles intro into my living will. <laughs> living will. <laughs> Scary world for arbitrary and goblins. <laughs> Again, Fine. like no another, goblins. Another t-shirt idea. Like I want a rosebud frozen peas t-shirt. Like <laughs> yes. <laughs> you would be you would be able to find your people wearing that because if somebody can pick out that reference, then you know you could be best friends. We have to put a French fry in the beard though. <laughs> 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 I use that reference way too much. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I love the joke too. This one where when Mar uh, Eleanor is appearing as a ghost to Margo and she makes a a, a, a shot at a uh, Margo's uh, ninety for being so sheer. That's an awful <laughs> sheer ninety for a girl your age. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never I never could believe that Margot was like their actual daughter. 
I always thought she was adopted too, because I was like, she's nothing like Franklin or Eleanor, just like Jay isn't. So, not at all. No, <laughs> uh, Margot's always one I noticed that the I Margot's like the one character I definitely noticed the animation style change in. Mm, yeah, her face is definitely noticeable. Like everybody else, like their slider is slightly different, but Margot I think went through like the bigger change, animation wise. Yeah, and it's weird because I know the episode that me and you saw with the um, the daycare centers and stuff, like, everybody looked really different in that episode. But then there's some episodes where it's just certain characters look really different. I don't know if it just had to do with the the production or how, when they did the episode. Like, it's it's kind of weird. We don't get a lot of we don't get a lot of Margo in this season either. No. When even Jay's face is a little more rounder in certain episodes and the color is a little brighter in certain episodes than others. Yeah. It had to have had something to do with the production or something like. I mean, we know that, I mean, Fox pretty much canceled the show before it even aired on Fox. So Pretty much. (laughs) I do love the Three Stooges reference we get too with between uh, Franklin and uh, Ted Kennedy and Albert Einstein. (laughs) <laughs> yeah any of the stuff with the old presidents is always funny i love whenever they bring kennedy back or nixon on the show and nixon makes a few shots in this one in this episode where he's at disneyland <laughs> yeah So <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all for that one we can move on to the next episode siskel and ebert and jay and alice when a popular movie reviewing team breaks up, Alice encourages Jay to audition to become the new partner. Jeremy, thoughts on Siskel and Ebert and Jay and Alice? So I may be wrong on this, but is this the one episode that Siskel and Ebert did their own voices on? Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, I kept waiting, uh, you know, for an episode where where they would be like a prominent character. I mean, it seems obvious. Like if you watch the show, like Siskel and Ebert, they get referenced and they make little cameos. But yeah, it was really cool to have like a whole episode where it's like Jay interacting with Siskel and Ebert. I thought that was that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I. I, I love the whole thing with Siskel and Ebert, where you know Jay's kind of biting for each one of them and. <laughs> I love his uh, his approach to try to get them to to pay attention to him or you know take him on like almost like he's he's flirting with them. I thought that was hilarious. Um, I think this is the one with the uh, isn't it the one with the Oscars where they have the critics thing like where the yeah. critics come out and do the performance that was really funny and Jay's stuck in the, the film reel <laughs> and he comes out and says it stinks like as as the one uh, the it's, one lady producing about, uh, to kill a mockingbird <laughs> <laughs> and that's where that's where I got the Rex Reed line of the Ed Wood who wouldn't I give it 83 stars <laughs> I, I, I love the interview with Willy Wonka that he references. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of really funny bits in this one. Um, 
I like the the interview processes with Cisco and Ebert where they're interviewing people for <laughs> possible replacements. And uh, I think there's like an Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like how Cisco interviews Satan. Yeah. Satan, or, is that you? The guy, the guy gives like a really good review and is like, "Are you Satan? You're Satan, aren't you?" <laughs> I, I like the uh, uh, Raiders reference where the guy just like melts. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's watching. I think when he's watching the Arnold Schwarzenegger Miss Doubtfire parody. Yeah. Think... <laughs> just goes over there, just face melting. <laughs> You also get the parody of uh, instead of Rain Man, it's Snowman. Yes, <laughs> definitely melted. Very bad. Very bad. <laughs> Which is one of two of the Rain Man references we get this season. Yeah, another exactly. one later on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like how they call back uh, when they have uh, Cisco and Eber first break up. They have that reference to uh, Cisco liked. Carnosaur, which is a movie I haven't seen in a long ass time, and then uh, Ebert liking Benji the Hunted. Yes, yes. Like isn't like like is there like a Planet of the Dogs skit in this one, where it's like yeah, instead of Planet of the Apes, it's like Planet of the Dogs. Yeah, when Jay's talking about the <laughs> films that the Oscars overlooked. There's another one too. He said in that episode too, but I can't remember what it was. It was Planet of the Dogs and something else. Yeah, it was like a black and white movie, I think. Was that like Godzilla or something, or like? Oh, uh, Children of a Lesser Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Godzilla says he wants to meet you for lunch. For breakfast. <laughs> oh well <laughs> and I'm wondering here uh, so there's a shot when uh, right before the big musical number that we get in this or one of many musical numbers we get in this episode of uh, when Jay leaves Ebert's house and you see Ebert on the on the seesaw by himself I mean, wonder if that was a reference to the Simpsons when there's an episode when Millhouse was on a seesaw by himself. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a gift that I've used plenty of times too. Millhouse on the seesaw by himself. Well, now I have to find the one with Ebert on a seesaw by himself. <laughs> <laughs> this one also gave us a um, a quote that I know me and my friends use a lot, and I think it took me a while to because we said it all the time, but. For a while, I'd forgotten where we had gotten it from, and it was from this episode where Jay's trying to trying to get uh, Cisco and Ebert to pay attention to him, and he keeps showing up, and he's like, "Hey, guy, hi, guy." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the jet carrier, of yeah. all things. it's like the True Lies reference, yeah. The out of control Rosie Perez robot in, is in this one. <laughs> and I, I love the uh, uh, William Shatner and you know, buy my book. <laughs> buy my Read book. my book. Read my book. <laughs> my book. 
oh, it's the Shatner bot. No, that's actually him. <laughs> Rosie, don't hog all the juice. Melissa, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, how familiar were you with Siskel and Ebert going in this episode? Um, I, I'm pretty familiar with them. Um, so, you know, I, I knew, know who they are. So it wasn't something that, um, I didn't understand, you know, anything, you know, that they were doing or whatever. Um, yeah, they're, they're probably the like sort of reviewers that I do know of fairly well. Um, so it was kind of fun to see them, you know, have those two interact in, in an episode and also to have the actual people like obviously do the voices of, of themselves so um i thought that was kind of cool and um i did i did enjoy like their um one of the things i really liked with them was their airplane fight i think that was funny <laughs> i like when he breaks the little mini bottle yeah but, yeah Cisco and Eber weren't known for doing many things, but this is one of the things they agreed to do, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So I know Rex, Rex Reed does his own voice in this episode, so does Gene Shalit. I think Rex Reed's probably the butt of the joke a lot in this episode, too, because like, hey, they keep calling Jack, hey, say I take the jobs and get Rex Reed off my back. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they make reference to him in the, the uh, whatever, the Sherman Woman and Child episode, too. And it's like, yeah, oh, you when he didn't like the Lion King. King. You're mean. Well, Rex Reed thought the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't like. I think Rex Reed's probably most known, besides being a film critic, for being in the first Superman film. But I don't think he came on my radar until season one of this show when he took over Jay's show when he had the got the nasty habit of uh, chewing tobacco. Mm. What was it? Savage Indian chewing tobacco when he's Jay's replacement on coming attractions. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I did find it funny. Um, I think when I was just looking up stuff on this season, there was a there's actual there's a clip you can find of Roger Ebert uh, given like a review of the critic series, and I liked that his review of it was he said he wished the show focused more on just Jay's review of movies. He said that was like his favorite part of the show was just Jay's bits with parodies of movies. He said he wished the show would have just been more of that because he could have watched that like all day. Yeah, that That's where some of the show was lacking because you only get like a clip, like pretty much start off with every episode with it. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Um, like, I mean, that could have even been a, like a show premise too. Like, you know, more, more of him doing that than you know, doing other things, but I guess, you know, you get, you kind of have to expand on the character and have him do other things than just, you know, sort of what he, he does for a living. And at least you get like the clips of it, which are always funny. I feel like there was a missed opportunity in this episode though, where I wish we would have got to see Jay with Siskel and Ebert, either on his show or their show, like reviewing movies together. I thought, I think that would have been pretty funny. Because you could have yeah. seen like Cisco and Ebert like doing this really like you know elaborate review, detailed review, and just Jay like just ripping something apart or <laughs> say how horrible it was. <laughs> I think it that would have been a lot of fun. I think so too. That that would have been really great. It's like I'm surprised they didn't 
they didn't do something like that. Like, you know, you have that opportunity. Why not, you know, do something? Because I think it would have worked very well and been quite funny. Mm-hmm. And just kind of shown how Jay Sherman's a little bit of my spirit animal when it comes to movie opinions. <laughs> 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 uh, we get uh we get more of the duke thinking jay is gay jokes in this one too where uh duke sees jay as the village people yeah <laughs> but i think the best joke of that has to be at the end when uh they make up at the end and uh jay hugs duke and he does that mm. <laughs> yeah. duke at the end of the episode <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, any other thoughts on Siskel and Ebert and Jay and Alice? No, like I said, it was it's cool that they actually came on and and did an episode of the show. Since I mean, the show that's what it revolves around is the whole film criticism. So it's cool that the two most well-known film critics of all time like were actually on the show like actually did guest appearances on it yeah i i I copy and paste what what jeremy said but yeah it's it's pretty cool that they were they were good enough to to be like yeah we'll you know contribute to it or whatever like that's really neat so um yeah i i really enjoyed this episode i thought it was um this this one probably had me laughing the most, um, just with references and just uh, stuff going on within it. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. That had to be a, an exciting week for them in the writers' room that week when they found they landed Siskel and Ebert. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, they've had Rex Reed on a few times, and Rex Reed seems like he's like a guy that will is willing to take shots at himself. Same with uh, Gene Chalet. But, but yeah, getting Cisco and Ebert a bit was huge for them. So moving on to the next one, all the Duke's men. Jay is hired as a speechwriter when Duke runs for presidency and soon learns some grim truths about the world of politics. So Jeremy, does Duke have your vote? <laughs> this, uh, after rewatching this one, I I think this is probably my favorite episode of this season. I was laughing so much watching this one. I don't know if it's just because of how much Duke we got, uh, but I just everything about this episode just had me cracking up. Uh, the skits were funny. <laughs> oh, a few good monsters, which was like interview with a vampire, risky business, and Rain Man all rolled up into one. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> Five minutes to monsters. Gotta see Herman. Gotta see Herman. <laughs> and yeah, I think we referenced it earlier, but like Duke with the the older the Hall of Presidents, uh, and the Bill Clinton's like the country bear, and he picks Franklin as his running mate. I mean, that's <laughs> that gives it bonus points right there. Uh, seeing Franklin in the vice president debate was freaking hilarious <laughs> I, I love how oh do you even know what you're doing and, oh yeah I know what I'm doing and and then he puts the, the stockings over his head and let's go rock this thing <laughs> <laughs> like, it had to be like an obvious nod to like Ross Perot's running mate back in the 90s 
Gridlock. <laughs> Gridlock. <laughs> and I, what, what was it Franklin said? Uh, something about as the former like female head of the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> as the first, as the first fe- black female leader of the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> <laughs> This may hurt us more than it helps us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had the the apocalypse wow, which was hilarious with Marlon Brand <laughs> doing a musical. <laughs> Watch me do a hula dance as I shake the egg rolls from my pants. <laughs> yeah, there's there's just so many great bits in this. Duke just going off the cuff at the end. <laughs> he's done having Jay like speak for him, and <laughs> you're like, yeah, he's not, he's not winning. <laughs> Gonna put on some leather and get spanked. Vote for Duke. <laughs> I love the Prince Charles joke where he's bringing his mom like poison. <laughs> oh, yeah. that that definitely had to be like Monty Pie. I saw, I thought Monty Python as soon as I saw that. Because they had Prince Charles in the uh, earlier episode when uh, when uh, they're trying to find a school for Penny. Is I think he's an English teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they haven't taught uh, Melissa. You're a Monty Python fan like me. What's the name of that character they did in Monty Python? Is it like Gumby? Where they talk talk like this? <laughs> yeah. My brain hurts. <laughs> More poison. I mean tea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they clearly have a dude talking in a high pitched voice is the queen like that it definitely had to be yeah like a python reference oh absolutely yeah i i love the the reagan jokes in this episode too <laughs> ronald reagan like oh it looks like reaganomics is making a comeback <laughs> Reagan got referenced a lot in this season too, because they, because yeah. in Jeremy Hawk's uh, yesterday at live uh, monologue, he mentioned, "Hey, when's Reagan gonna kick off?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was it the uh, where he's like Jay's remembering like Reagan's like inauguration or something? He's like, "I saw him swear to as your president, I will goof off and eat candy." <laughs> Four more years. Four, Four more years. years. <laughs> we also find out that uh there's Klingon kids that go to Marty's school too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I love the joke where they come back and the mom makes and say thank you for the pizza, Mr. Sherman. <laughs> <laughs> and don't they like beam out like in the middle of the uh his like meeting with people, like after Marty becomes like class president. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sounds... we gotta get to work, and they're like, "Work? Nope." <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's just. I think I said this in our first. Season. I think like Duke is like. I mean, aside from Franklin, I mean, he's just like one of my favorite characters. So any episode with a lot of Duke in it is always gonna get. Gonna get a lot of votes for me. These will always be like. Like what, this will be like one of the two roles I'll always remember Charles Napier for is Duke and then as the leader of the good old boys from Blues Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's so funny because I, I think I remember looking up the voice cast when we talked about doing this on your on your podcast. And I was like, 
man, I bet that guy's done a lot of stuff because of his voice. And it's like, no, he he really didn't do a whole lot. Um, and just I don't know what it is, man. That voice just so recognizable. Yeah, every time I hear every time I hear Duke speak, I just want to hear him say, "You're gonna look pretty funny eating corn on the cob with no fucking teeth." <laughs> What do you think what? about uh about Duke marrying Joan Lockhart? <laughs> I liked when he gave the speech to the zombies. I thought that was pretty funny too. Doris is there. <laughs> what are you doing here? Looking for a husband? <laughs> they really didn't know what to do with Doris this season. Does that ever pop up making quirky? Jokes every now and then, like we we skipped over the part in the one episode where is it uh, Lady Hawk where she's sending uh, she's sending Duke naked photos of herself and everything. Oh <laughs> I also like the Irish sock poster that Duke had. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, do the, yeah, who votes? Like. The Irish? Oh, I better change that. <laughs> Women vote? Yeah. What the Irish? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know why that cracked me up when he's like, "What? Women vote?" Yeah. <laughs> so do the Irish. <laughs> this is also the one where uh, it gets referenced because on the sign outside Duke Broadcasting it says, uh, "Like former home of." Duke Phillips chicken and waffles. Um, <laughs> doesn't he have a guy walk up and ask for uh, seven, was it a seven piece and a biscuit or a hot roll? <laughs> yeah, Long yeah. bread or a biscuit. Yeah. You keep biscuits in your pocket. <laughs> oh, you're talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like Marty's float, the flaming horses patoot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And we get more Easter Island kids in this one, too. They do like a dominoes effect with all of them standing on their float. Yeah. It's like, oh, happy homecoming. And it's like, oh, whatever. <laughs> I, I did like the uh, Goodfellas reference. We got a quick little Goodfellas reference with Jay oh. in the trunk. <laughs> when he, he, wants to make, he wants to make his own movie, Good, Goodfellas 2. Yeah. Hi, guy. (laughs) (laughs) Any other thoughts at all? This is also episode that has uh, E.T. as the janitor at the studio. (laughs) Yeah, that was, yeah, this was the one with E.T. as the janitor. And Jeremy Hawk as former president James Monroe. (laughs) James Monroe. (laughs) (laughs) We also get another uh, Dukakis reference in this episode, which they did, I think, in the first season, which is yeah. another another thing that I, people, you know, probably go over people's heads today. Like, who the heck was Dukakis? <laughs> well, if I'm not mistaken, I think John Lovitz even played Dukakis on Saturday Night Live, too. Yeah, because it's yeah, it's obviously him doing the voice on the show. Yeah, th- this was one that. Um, one of the episodes in particular that a lot of the 
political references went over my head. <laughs> Just I'm, you know, I'm not a, familiar with a lot of like the American politicians and stuff. And I mean, there's a, there's a select few, but um, not a lot of them. So it was sort of that's where there there was a couple moments in the in the episode that uh, were a bit lost on me because it was like I I don't I don't get what they're they're like oh. jokes are trying to be say or whatever so yeah well, so many of the political jokes on the show were of the time and of the moment yeah. too that it's like like i said there's there's a lot of them that went over my head when i watched it originally and i just probably laughed at them just because of how well they were done like how goofy they were but i didn't get the context until like later on and you know learn more about the politics and stuff that they were making jokes about yeah it's like running running 90s joke about dan quayle not being very bright yeah he's shown at the republican <laughs> headquarters with bob dole so i like how the republicans are gonna black bob dole's gonna blackmail him with a, a photo of him reading a book to his a video of him reading a book to his cat <laughs> Which I'm sure somebody's gonna blackmail me with that. I'm like, what about it? <laughs> yeah. you, don't read to, you don't read to your cat? That's weird. Yeah, there's definitely. I mean, and I know obviously John Lovitz was an SNL alum, but there, it feels like some of the politic jokes were kind of like SNL style. Like I said, just very of the moment and of the time. It's like, oh, if you weren't keeping up with things at that point in time, you're probably not gonna get this joke. This is like the day, days of heavily with Dana Carvey doing George Bush and uh, Ross yeah. Perot. Yeah, because I mean, even Ross Perot, I mean, they do a great job making fun of Ross Perot on the show. But it's like people today, I mean, I don't know how good the Ross Perot jokes are today. This is probably a lot of people that don't even know who Ross Perot was. I don't even know who the man is. Other than when I was a kid, I called him Ross Perogi. <laughs> I don't remember why, but it was something I don't know, like parents talking about it or something. I don't know. I don't know. I still to this day do not know who the man is, other than what I called him. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, he ran for president in the '90s as an independent. Okay, uh, and he was he was the only person to ever like really. I mean, I mean, maybe obviously back in the old days, like when we had more than two parties, but like actually made a viable push. Like, I think he took a certain amount of votes away from George H. Bush, which is probably why he didn't, you know, have a stronger vote as people predicted he would because Perot took a lot of those votes. But yeah, he was like self-financed. He was like an oil tycoon, like kind of did what Trump did, I guess, like paid for everything himself. And yeah, but he was like a character and he even made it onto the debates with Clinton and Bush, which is something that I don't think anybody else has done since. It's always a Republican and a Democrat. Like there's never been a third person in the actual presidential debates. That's what I remember when I was a kid was actually seeing three people on the presidential debates, Perot, Clinton and Bush. And then he made a bad choice uh, for <laughs> vice president. Gridlock. Gridlock. 
which Phil Hartman always did a great impersonation of him on the uh, SNL skits. Yeah, that was always good. Phil's, Phil Hartman's one of those great impressions, too, much like how like Maurice LaMarche is on this show or how Dana Carvey was in SNL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like Hartman like played just – he could have played anybody. I mean, he played so many different presidents and politicians on SNL. I think he did he did Reagan, he did Clinton, he did uh whoever Perot's vice president was. Um yeah, he's he could he could just do them all. Yeah. So Melissa, would you vote for Duke? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> he's got ginger snaps. <laughs> <laughs> Call back to the first season. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa just wants to advance in our 300,000. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Moving on to Ducarella. Alice's upstaging sister arrives in search of a rich husband and quickly turns her attentions to Jay. It's kind of a misleading title or a misleading uh, description there because uh, she doesn't go after Jay very quick, very long. Well, Jeremy, what do you think of uh, Ducarello? Because this is one another one that Melissa couldn't see. Yeah, so this is the one with Alice's sister and uh, Duke. Uh, it's kind of like a Cinderella story. Um yeah, this one was another one. It was, it, it, it's kind of weird. Maybe it's it has something to do with these two episodes. This was like another one I didn't remember a whole lot about. Um, and I, I just remember the whole thing with the whole Cinderella reference. And then the, um, cause he, like Duke has like a ball and, um, isn't there like a part like at the end where he, he ends up with Doris because the, <laughs> Because the the shoe fits Doris, and then Jay has yeah. to like get him back together with with Alice's sister, or prove that it was her. Yeah, and I do, I do love the sequence at the costume ball too, because you get Jay and Alice dressed up like Homer and Marge from the yeah. Simpsons. Yeah, and then uh, Franklin wears the mask from the mask, <laughs> and, he's, and he's actually yeah, he's actually like doing the mask stuff. What's uh, Eleanor say? He acted just like this at Nixon's funeral. (laughs) We get a lot of uh, shots at Madonna in this one, too. um, Because Melissa, uh, Alice's sister, gets a job working for Mattress in an hour. (laughs) (laughs) So she comes back and she goes, I had a long day. I had to deliver a mattress to Madonna's house. And then another one. And then another one. And another <laughs> one. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> I do like uh, the montage of her sister going out to look for jobs, and she ends up getting the job at the mattress in an hour. And what's the foreman say? Welcome aboard, Toots, or something like that. And she says, isn't that sexual harassment? Well, <laughs> Legally, no. The New York Supreme Court. 
I can legally talk to you like this. <laughs> this cuts to like all the members of the Supreme Court outside. Hey, you want to pound my gavel? <laughs> I'd say this. I, I'd say you probably would. You more likely to probably enjoy this episode a little bit more than uh, a song for Margot, Melissa. It, like I said, you get Frank. Have you seen The Mask with Jim Carrey? Yes. Not in a really long time, though, but yes, I've seen it. Okay, so imagine Franklin wearing that mask. <laughs> he, li- he literally looks like the, um, the short-lived mask cartoon that, that came out, like, I think it was like the same year as the mask movie. I want to say so, which was about this time. Was 94 ish. Yeah. yeah. I love how he says drinking instead of smoking. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't this the oh. one where we also got Jay as like Elvis or doing like an Elvis like impersonation or something on stage. Oh yeah, he had, he had a short stint as an Elvis impersonator until he ripped his pants yeah. or something like that. <laughs> Jay Sherman has left the building. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some. There's something with the blondes. Like uh, I think because I forget this episode is because like Alice's sister is a blonde and uh, I mean. She kind of reminds me of uh, Jeremy's sister from the Lady Hawk episode. A little I think bit. It's, yeah, I think that's why I get these two episodes kind of confused with one another. Because um, the characters just kind of remind me of each other, at least visually. Pretty close. They both got, uh, I wouldn't say outrageous accents, but like really played up accents. Yeah. Because it. For being sisters, she definitely has a different southern accent than uh, what Alice has. <laughs> she doesn't have the same pride. No pride. And pride. <laughs> and I well, think this, this was I the think, one, too, with the Rebel Without a Cosby, wasn't it? I believe so. And uh, I think... So I wonder if this is supposed to be like more of like a streetcar named Desire. That they make a lot of references to the streetcar named Desire in this one too, because I think that's where a lot of her sister's accent is coming from too. And you got Jay doing the Brando when he's carrying the suitcase up the stairs. Alice. <laughs> it could be. That's that's another classic movie I I haven't gotten around to see, but yeah, I mean the way the episode's structured, I I could see them it being like a reference to. To like a classic movie. Well, I've only seen a streetcar named Marge, <laughs> which also had John Lovitz on it. <laughs> I like the mask that Alice tries to have her sister put on. Oh, the Hitler mask. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was a good one. Well, like the whole thing. I love how the whole thing starts where she's afraid that Duke's going to notice like the little wrinkle she has by her eye. And then at the end of the episode, she goes, you know, you don't care about my wrinkle. He goes, hey, I was going to marry her, and she's nothing but wrinkles. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I think you'd probably appreciate that the uh, 
the jokes. Uh, I think you and Tim Rooney would probably both appreciate the jokes that Doris makes about being from the South. Because every time uh, Jay keeps telling Doris she's not from the South, and she keeps uh, saying, I tell you, from Alabama. And uh, Dukes is mobile, just barely. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, then, uh, <laughs> and then at the end, uh, I told you, from Alabama, Tuscaloosa? No, I use denture grip. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> I like the uh the field of dreams bit in this one towards oh, like the end of the episode. Ty Cobb and <laughs> Billy Martin and Babe Ruth. Where can I get a hooker out here? Yeah. <laughs> well like it has gotta be a callback to the original Field of Dreams movie where they say they was it Ray Liotta's kicker say we want Ty Cobb one to join us, but none of us could say that son of a bitch when we were alive, so we told him to stick it. <laughs> I like the giant vegetable mutants that Duke has too. Yes. <laughs> Jay eats the giant potato. Isn't there like the um <clears throat> Isn't there like a room in like uh Duke's mansion that looks like the Oz? Like, oh, yeah. when he like, first walks in, yeah, it's like Duke's head, like like Oz from Wizard of Oz. Yeah, uh, he's got the dungeon where he locked up Jay for one of the dental plan. <laughs> I mean, this is this is kind of the well. I mean, we get Duke in the last episode, but this is kind of like a send off for Duke in this episode. Because you don't get much of Duke in the last one. No. You don't get much of anybody in the last one, and we'll, we'll kind of say why, but... <laughs> yeah. So, Melissa, do you have any uh, questions about Dukearella? Um, No, none that come off the top of my head, other than I kind of... Kind of like the other one, I... I you know, I'm sad I, I wasn't able to see this one, because I probably would have enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I think you'd probably enjoy this one just a little bit more um, than the song. Well, uh, going back to a song from Argo, uh, one you missed, uh, one of the parodies you missed there was a, a James Bond one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which one was it? Doctor No Means No. Yeah. It was a it was a, it was a more politically correct version of James Bond. I think it was Pierce Brosnan's <laughs> James Bond too. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I know, this, I know the name of the sequel, Dr. No Means No, or something like that. Yeah. But I can't remember what they called the other episode. I can't remember what they called the other one. Oh, uh, yeah, I can't. I remember the Dr. No Means No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you would love it for that. I think you I think you would love the song from Margo just for that one alone, just the 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 Bond reference there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I, I'm going to bet you probably would enjoy Ducarella probably a little more than a song for Margo. Yeah, probably. Just based on like what you've been talking about, like the episodes. Like, yeah, it sounds like I, I, I would enjoy the other one, but I think, yeah, I think you're right when I, uh, in saying that, yeah, I would enjoy this one a little bit more. Well, there's no other further comments about Ducarella. 
We can uh, bring it on home to the series finale. I can't believe it's a clip show. Jay is, Jay is held hostage at a Carnegie Hall while hosting his show's 10th anniversary celebration. Uh, talk about your disappointing series finales. I mean, I couldn't believe it was a clip show. <laughs> hey! <laughs> I mean, it is. It is. I mean, if you're a fan of the show, though, it is kind of a best of like clips. Because <laughs> all I mean, from season one, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, you're right. It is all from season one, all the clips that he pulls. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it's got kind of <laughs> like the villain is very uh, Hans Gruberish. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, unfortunately, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a, a kind of a sad send off for the series, but it is, it is pretty fun, like just to revisit like all the uh, all the clips you know, that's what, I mean, let's be honest, that's what most people remember from this show is just all the really funny clips from coming attractions, um, you know, and you get to revisit them all in this episode, and, you know, the Arthur Three, Revenge of the Liver, uh, Chicken, <laughs> the Wolf, the Wolf parody. Um, Interview just, with Cher. <laughs> which is great. <laughs> I love. I don't know why I love that clip so much. I, I think it's just Jay's reaction to her, like cussing at him, just sitting there with this blank look on his face. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's it, it's funny. I, I like the you know the uh, bringing back the Spartacus one was pretty funny. Um, yeah. Buford T. Augustus. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger was supposed to be a guest, but he he ticked him off by showing the clip from the uh, from the, uh, the Rabbi P- Rabbi, Rabbi P.I. P.I. Uh, um, Arnold's not coming. You made him cry. <laughs> um, scent of a jackass, obviously, which is funny because I've seen Scent of a Woman since we've recorded the last episode and. I, I think I text you and Jared or I said on Facebook, like, yeah, the parodies from the critic are not far off from that real movie. <laughs> well, we, 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 t- we glossed over, we glossed over scent of a wolf man from this season. <laughs> oh, did we, was yeah. that from this season? Yeah. Oh, think, what, what episode was that? I think it had to be one of the early ones. I, for oh, whatever reason, I, I always thought that was from episode or season one for some reason. The Scent of a Jackass was season one, and Scent of a Wolf, man, I would say it was like episode one or two. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean. Maybe episode two. I can't believe we glossed over that. I, I don't remember that from this season, or what episode that was from. Yeah, I want to say it was early in the season, like one or two. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was from the season premiere, the first episode, because that's when yeah. Jay's all decked out in his shades and his suit. Because I remember how he introduces, he's like scent of a wolf man, and he's like <laughs> trying to be all suave. And yeah, that's what it. Yeah, you're right. That was in the first episode of the season. You were just, you were just glamorized by dead <laughs> ass. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
who had the dead goat? <laughs> that would be me. How's <laughs> 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 about a drink? <laughs> Need some exercise. <laughs> I I did like the the gag in the in the series finale with Duke like leaving, and then later on he leaves the the bar or whatever because he's like I pay for nothing. <laughs> Knocks the kid off his bike. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, we do get to revisit the family fair of the movie with Marlon Brando, <laughs> which is another one that continues to go over my head, but I crack up at it every time I see it. Yeah. I'm also thoughts on, I can't believe it's a clip show. I, I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was a fun one and so many just uh, like from all the, the clips and stuff. And um, there was, I think most of the references that were made in, in a lot of the clips I got. So it just made it even more funny just knowing, you know, what they're, they're sort of making fun of or, you know, poking fun at. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed this one. It was kind of sad that is, you know, the last episode. And then that was sort of, that's it for, you know, the critic as a series. Um, but, uh, but I, I enjoyed it. Like, you know, my, my favorites were, um, you know, to I think it was in his, it was uh Jay's speech about females in film or whatever, and that <laughs> oh, to all the females I've loved on screen, like Christine. <laughs> like I have feeling Jeremy Puff for that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then um, yeah, just all the other references like Anthony Hopkins in Honey, I Ate the Kids. And, you know, Edward plunge your hands and then you see him, he's like, please shoot me. <laughs> and, and, you know, Home Alone 5, you know, oh, no, we left Kevin at home and he's only 23. <laughs> and, um, and then there's something about, like, you know, Rocky 6 and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4. And <laughs> <laughs> the, most, the most random, silly one ever, but it's so great. <laughs> <laughs> that would def that would totally fit the world of Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. <laughs> yes, yes it would. I like the stuff with the I like the joke when the villains first sneak into Carnegie Hall, <laughs> and uh, oh, we're caterers. You're pretty heavily armed for caterers. We we took the subway. You're pretty lightly armed for the subway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that just reminds me. That's that, I think that's one of the things like. Um, you know, we talked about earlier where Jay went to Iraq and, you know, that episode's kind of hit or miss. Like, I think because the show, like, was so, like, such an homage to New York, I think that's why the show works so good when he's in New York is because they're able to make those, like, New York, you know, jokes and stuff that just make the show work so well. Like, a joke like that is, like, so, so hilarious. Well, they said ironically on IMDb that the show actually played better in the Midwest than it did in New York. It's because those New York folks just don't have a sense of humor. They can't laugh at themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like the Milton Berle stuff in this episode. Yeah, Milton Berle is a ninja. Which, which, the, was that Milton Berle doing his own voice, or was that somebody else doing it? Uh, that was Milton Berle. He was still alive around that time. So. 
Because he was in another episode, I think, in season one on the coming attraction show, wasn't he? Like, um, Jay, Jay was, like, interviewing him or something? Or he that was like, Adam West. Oh, was it Adam West? Okay. Yeah. I know Adam West is on an episode where he was interviewing him on coming attractions. Well, I know he also interviewed uh, Jimmy Stewart on uh, this episode, too. Or he remembers yeah. his, his interview with James Stewart where he's sleeping. <laughs> yeah, dead dog. Very funny. <laughs> I remember that being parodied on Saturday Night Live with Jim Carrey playing uh, Jimmy Stewart on uh, the Joe Pesci show on the SNL. Oh, yeah. I do like this stuff after they blow up Carnegie Hall and the cop rolling up to him. Did you blow up Jay Sherman as a band of hooligans? Did you blow up Carnegie Hall? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Officer O'Malley. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think in the in the opening of this episode when he's talking about like his hundredth uh, or tenth anniversary, doesn't he make reference to like ABC like canceling his show or something? I think so because he makes quite a bit of references this season to that too. Like, yeah. um, in this first episode, I had a hit show on ABC for about a week. Yeah. <laughs> and I think in the episode of uh, the Sherman of Arabia episode, we're going to watch wholesome ABC television, and it it's an episode of Roseanne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I take a lot of shots at Fox too on this on this show where. Which episode was it? Um, we're coming in third as a triumph. <laughs> Which that's that's something you know, like the Simpsons and Family Guy. I mean, they they've been doing for years, just yeah. kind of poking fun at Fox. Brings in money. So, do you think the reason why we got a clip show for the last episode is they maybe because they didn't know the season would be ending at this time? You know, I don't, I don't know. It, it, a part of me, it feels like they. It, it, part of me feels like either that it was that, or they were just told like, yeah, this is it, and they didn't really have a way to kind of send the show off, so they were like, this is like the best they could come up with, if that makes any sense. Um, because it's kind of weird because Ducarella, like I said, it is kind of a nice little send off to Duke, and like Jay end up with sisters, like you know Jay's with Alice and Duke ends up with Alice's sister. Um, but then this episode, like you don't really get any reference to that at all. It just kind of feels like tacked on. It's not like so I've heard Scotty and. Andy saying why not Futurama so many times that like there were so many strong episodes in season five of Futurama. Mm-hmm. It's like they, they never knew when that show was going to end. So any of those episodes could have been a good send off point. But I wonder, I wonder if this news is cancellation must have just blindsided them or something. Because I, I was really, it's kind of a weak send off. Like the, if there was an episode I was going to skip, it's always this one. Except if it wasn't for the Milton Berle stuff. 
Yeah, this one this one feels like it's almost like an episode like if you were wanting to like show somebody the critic and be like, hey, this is why you should watch this. This is the kind of humor it has. Like you could put this one on because it is like kind of a best of like with the clips. And like if somebody laughs at that, you could be like, yeah, like I think I might watch this show like this. Those like skits were pretty funny. Like I might check this out. But um What's what's weird about it, though, is like with this season, it's like because they introduced the Alice character, it is more linear than the first season. And that like you start the season off where he meets Alice and then Alice and his relationship with her is kind of like the thread through this season. So Mm -hmm. like they could have like done like a send off to the series because the season was more linear than the first season, whereas the first season is like each episode, like you could kind of like kind of stand on its own like there's no real continuing plot if that makes any sense whereas with this one you have jay and alice so it does have like more of a continuing story arc that you could have you know had an ending to so i get that's why i think it makes this more irritating because this is the series finale and you're like okay well what happened to Alice and Jay? Did they get married? Like, whereas if it would have continued the formula of the first season, it would have just been like, okay, well, that was just the last episode. Like, it is what it is. Yeah, because they say in the web series that Jay references to getting a second divorce. Because I guess he talks about because because I guess in the web series he's trying to hook up with his makeup artist. Mm. Um. He makes references to getting a second divorce, and people theorize, well, they either divorced Alice or he divorced that woman in Mexico that he married to get into Cuba <laughs> from season one. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> I only married him because of his money. <laughs> a lot like your old mother. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and I'm kind of curious with the webisodes. I think they're, didn't I read that they're like three minutes long or something like that? Like, they're not very long, so. I don't think so. So I'm kind of curious. I I am really curious to check those out to kind of see what they add to the series as a whole. Um, But yeah, I think, I think you could, you could really, I mean, unfortunately, like it, it, it ends so soon, but I think you really could end the series with Ducarella because it does have that kind of closing shot of them, like Duke and Alice's sister getting married. And I mean, if you want to categorize that as a send off, it's much more would, of a send off than this. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. I think Ducarella would be a good send off for it. <laughs> um, this season only had 10 episodes, too, and the first season had, I think, like 13, didn't it? Yep. Yeah, so. It's crazy it's... to think that Fox had less patience for this show than ABC. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I think I think they picked it up. I think Fox picked it up halfway through mm. the ABC run. Do you think, do you think if Matt Groening would have kind of got more behind this show it would have had a longer life because he kind I, of distanced himself from it oh, like he didn't want to have anything to do with it i told melissa he hated this show he hated yeah. it like he what he because uh 
I think they make reference to it in the episode that Jay is on The Simpsons, where <laughs> hey, maybe you guys will come to my show sometime, and Bart goes, "Yeah, that ain't gonna happen." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know why Graining hated it so much, but I don't know. But Graining's I really think a weird it's... cat, though. I mean, the more I've learned about him over the years, he's kind of a he's kind of a weird dude. He's got no beef with Family Guy, but he apparently had beef with the critic. Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently, I heard apparently that he sent um, Matt Parker and Trey to uh, Matt and Trey from South Park. Apparently, he sent them flowers after their Family Guy episodes. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why he had such beef with the show because it came from two of his guys. And it's, it. it's definitely got the, I mean, it's it's got some of that Simpsons humor, obviously, because of, you know, the people that created it. So, yeah, and I mean, even when Jay was on The Simpsons, like, he fit right in with that. And, you know, obviously Lovitz has played other characters on The Simpsons, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I never understood that. One of the great life, one of life's great mysteries, why did Matt Groening never like the critic? <laughs> yeah. Melissa, what do you think of this as a send-off for the show? Um, I mean, I think it, I think it is all right. I mean, it kind of, um, like it, we were sort of saying at the beginning that it's very much a lot of the clips are from season one, so you're not really looking back at, you know, the that season like season two. You're not really looking at it. You're looking back on the the previous one. So it's, um. I don't know if it's really much of a, a send off more than just a, okay, let's just kind of do a, a best of and look at, you know, this a season that's passed or whatever. And um, yeah, it's, it's not really, um, it, it doesn't leave you like with a, uh, a sense of closure, like in the sense of like, okay, this, you know, sort of series come to an end and okay, you can, you know, have it and that's it. Um, yeah, it's, it's very much just, okay, let's just do best of, and, and, I mean, that's fine, I mean, they did what they did with it, but, um, yeah, it didn't, um, really have that sort of final episode feel, even though it, it was, um, yeah. Yeah, for as uh, smart and clever as a, of a show as this was, it doesn't deserve this kind of send-off being a clip show. We deserve at least some closure with Alice and Jay, if anything, you know? Exactly. Like, I, I feel like they really should have done that. Like, if they wanted to... But then it's sort of... They know that they were going to end. Like, would they have continued... If, if they did get another season, like, would they have continued that story arc? Um you know, onwards, like was, you know, like it, it just isn't, you know, they, they didn't really explore anything else with it. So it's, yeah, it, it kind of, it very much leaves you hanging on, on those little things. Um, Cause it, it would have been nice to, to, you know, explore that and just have that ending with them, like sort of a, it's just like finally like a happy ending, whatever for Jay and everything, and everything's good. And, you know, okay, you can, kind of send them off on that uh where you're not sort of left wondering well what what 
happened to them, like what what they ultimately end up doing or, you know, things like that. So, yeah. Well, and I, I don't I don't even think Alice really makes an appearance in this episode. I think she's like in the crowd or whatever. But like you could have really thrown this episode in anywhere yeah. as like kind of a clip show to like the first season or whatever. You know, it, it almost could have been like a season opening, really, or like the second episode or something, you know, because it doesn't really involve really any of the characters from the second season. Yeah. Not really, but you could probably throw it at the beginning and remove Alice, but uh, I'd say you could probably throw it like right around the middle of the season. I'd say. Yeah, as just kind of a filler episode, yeah. Yeah, like it would sort of make sense to have it sort of in the middle, like, you know, some TV series, like they'll have a story arc, but then they'll have sort of that fluff episode where it doesn't really mean anything to your main plot or story. So you could even do that. Like, okay, we'll just do a best of, and okay, then you continue on another episode of your story. Well, I was just scrolling through the episode here on YouTube, and he does have that opening monologue where he mentions, oh, I'm going to show some clips from my short-lived ABC series. So it does make me wonder if they wrote and made this episode early on, and they just used it as a series finale. Because, like, it, it's kind of interesting that he's making reference to the ABC series, which is the first season, at the end of the series on Fox. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like that joke would have worked better, like, in the season opening for Fox, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I do kind of wonder if this was, like, an episode that was kind of put together earlier on and they just were like, well, this is all we got and we could just use this. You know, yeah, or or they didn't know really where to place the episode, so mm-hmm. they just placed it at the end of it. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, because it has to go down there with Seinfeld for like disappointing endings for series finales. Yeah, we should go ask John Lovitz at John Lovitz on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Were you happy with the series finale of the critic? <laughs> <laughs> He's probably ecstatic. <laughs> yeah. I hear he's a funny follow on Twitter. Um, I don't have a personal Twitter account. I just have one for my podcast. So, uh, but if you do have a personal Twitter account and looking for people to follow, I hear he's he's pretty funny to follow on Twitter. So, also have my dad follow. Oh, my dad, my dad will send me Stephen King tweets all the time now. <laughs> <laughs> so if there's no other comments, questions, I think it's uh, to quote this episode. I think it's time to say goodnight to our uncle Milty. <laughs> well, so, I, don't, uh, I, I don't feel like we. I, I think we missed an opportunity to mention it but uh this season also had a different opening what do you guys think of like the more upbeat opening that the show has in this season where they change the music up a little bit and kind of a different like the, opening i like the addition of adding alice and penny to the intro then watching the bridge fall apart <laughs> that's yeah. a great it's a great cover photo for facebook if you're looking for one i think i had that one for a while 
<laughs> I also like uh, they only added like a few new clips too for coming attractions. Like I like the one with the fugitive and him jumping out of the <laughs> runoff pipe and the, the judges are critiquing his landing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The uh, true lies one where the nuclear bomb goes off and they become mutants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they gave Jay a different apartment this season, too. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and it, 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 um, I think they changed where that comes into in the opening, but I just remember distinctly the music being more upbeat, and I have to wonder if that was like a Fox thing. Like, we want the opening to be a little more fun and upbeat. <laughs> was it still Hans Zimmer that did it? I know Hans Zimmer did it. I think Hans Zimmer still does the score. Yeah. Or at least the opening intro, which is. You think of Hans Zimmer, you think of all these like pounding like comic book movies and big cinema scores. Oh, no, I did the theme song to the critic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did want to mention because it is one of my favorite running gags. Like I mentioned earlier, the file photo in the series finale of Jay is him on a seesaw with Los Lobos to show he's weighs more than the entire band of Los Lobos. <laughs> 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 That's a good one. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's all I got. <laughs> Any other final thoughts on season two, Melissa? Uh, you know, decent season. Um, definitely, you know, still fun episodes and and enjoyable for sure. And I like the addition of of other characters and. Um, I, I quite like the opening of the show too. Like I, I, I could see it being sort of a, like a maybe a studio choice of it being more positive, upbeat, whatever. But, um, but I, I do enjoy it. I think it's funny, especially you know you see you know Franklin popping out of the cake, <laughs> you know, and you know him about to go skating and he cracks the ice and, um, so it's it's a funny opening and I I do enjoy it. Um, but yeah, this season I, I definitely enjoyed, even if there were some, um, you know, mostly it was the, the political references that just went way over my head. Um, and then maybe a few tiny things here and there, but overall I, you know, I definitely enjoyed it. And, um, I think I, I enjoyed it cause I, I did a rewatch just to kind of refresh my brain before doing this, this episode and, um, I think I enjoyed it even more, but then I, I wasn't taking notes or anything. I was just enjoying it for what it is and just, you know, enjoying every episode. And so I think I enjoyed it even more this second time around. And um, just, yeah, it's a, it's a great series. And it, it does make me sad that it only lasted the two seasons because, you know, I think it could have been, you know, it, it had so much potential to be lasted that a little bit longer. And, you know, and it, and it also does make me sad that, it's not something that's out there in, in the media as much like, you know, as like on a streaming service or, or anything like that. Like, it's just not, it's very much kind of tucked under the radar now. And, and that sort of makes me sad because it is such a good show. It's got great humor and characters and, you know, storytelling. And so it's, yeah. And maybe one day it'll, it'll make a comeback or something. I don't know. We'll see. But, um, yeah, I enjoyed this season. Um, I can't remember if I asked you this before in the first episode. 
Um, would, are you willing to recommend this show to somebody? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, if they were, you know, we have to be somebody who sort of shared the same sort of sense of humor that I do and, and like stuff like maybe like the Simpsons or things like that. Um, but it's still something that's a little bit different from it. Um, but yeah, I would, I would certainly recommend it to, you know, um, I mean, really anybody, because, you know, check it out. I mean, it's, I don't know if it's really for everybody, because the humor is that little bit different from other things, but it's still, you know, worth a watch anyway. So, yeah, I would recommend it. You definitely want to recommend it to somebody who's, like, really up on their 90s pop culture. For sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, you have any closing thoughts on season two? Um, I mean, this is it's one of my favorite shows of all time, even though it was very short lived. Um, I enjoyed it immensely when I was younger, um, discovering it with my brothers on Comedy Central. But as I've gotten older, it's just I've just grown fonder and fonder of it. And the humor has just worked even more and more as I've gotten older, just understanding things more in context as I've gotten older, getting the references and things like that. And I just, I've come to believe what I think a lot of people who have reviewed this show over the years have said, I I think the critic was just ahead of its time, Mm -hmm. even though there is a lot of dated references with it that they used in the show. I just, I, I think the show would really work today in this, you know, climate that we have with social media and just the instant reaction to things and, so much of the meme culture and parodies and things that we see online. Like I think the show, the humor would really work today. And I, I'm still hopeful and I probably will be until John Lovitz is no longer with us that maybe we'll get some more Jay Sherman one day. Um, Especially with the streaming services we have now, like I wish somebody would, would pick up the rights to this and, you know, put it back on a streamer. So a new generation could discover it more easily than people do uh because i do feel like you know unless it's like me and Jarrett with melissa introducing it to her like that's really the only way the show gets any more exposure is through word of mouth and you know i would love to see it end up on like a netflix or a hulu so that more people could just discover it by just browsing you know and <clears throat> checking it out because i think that's how it would get more exposure and more hype to you know, possibly for the fans of the show, longtime fans to maybe get a revival one day. Uh, but as of right now, I don't see that happening just because it is such a, like Melissa said, it's been tucked away and it's one of those things. If you know about it, you know about it. If you don't, then you got to find somebody who does and to kind of plug you into it. So, um, yeah, I, I'm hopeful that one day maybe we'll see Jay Sherman again, because I think uh, I think the world needs him now especially with the movie industry today. I think we need a Jay Sherman. Could you imagine him like reviewing comic book movies and stuff now? (laughs) Or all the reboots and remakes we get? (laughs) I mean, I would, I would take a Jay Sherman, just social media page where you just get on there and somebody animates Jay Sherman and John Lovitz does the voice where he just does parodies of, of newer movies you know once a month or something i would that would that would scratch my itch that i have for jay sherman right now <laughs> or the oscar season coming up like 
<laughs> like an Oscar special or something. Well, and I, I I know people, you know, I know people say um, they don't think the show works now because film criticism has become so like kind of mainstream in the in the sense that everybody is kind of a film critic now if you have a social media page you can be a film critic or you know there's so many websites out there now that people write for like it's not like it used to be with this show where you had Siskel and Ebert were like the bar you know and like there was everybody else that not many people knew about like we don't really have that now but I still think I still think this could work I think you would just have to kind of adapt the show more to the modern approach. You know, maybe Jay Sherman has a blog or a website or a social media platform or something rather than a coming attractions TV show. You know, I don't I don't know, but I think it could still work. You would just Jay Sherman would have to evolve to be the top of the game. I'd still I'd still say in 2022 coming attractions would be a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But then what? But then where does Duke Phillips come in? Is he like his? Uh, is he like one of his sponsors or something? Or <laughs> I, would, I would probably say so. Because <laughs> you you have to have Duke. If you if you don't get Duke Phillips, then you know I I don't know if I can come on board. Well, unfortunately, Charles Napier is no longer with us, but. Well, I'm sure what's his I'm name sure. who did the voices for everybody else could could do a good Napier voice. Oh, well, Maurice, I'm, I'm sure he could. <laughs> with with the technology today, I mean, we've we've just we we got a a young Luke Skywalker back on the screen, so I mean, they could they could do something, they could pull yeah. it off. <laughs> I'm sure we could find something we could do a Charles Napier voice. You gotta get uh Susan Park does the voice of Alice. You gotta get her out of retirement because I think she's in politics now. Hmm. So I think after she was on Reba, I think she went and did politics or something. I mean, the the answer is obvious, though. I mean, you have a whole generation of critic fans that could probably do a lot of these voices just from their love of the show. So <laughs> <laughs> you can have auditions for people to come in and try to do these voices. I'd, I'd, I'd pay to see that. <laughs> I mean, I've been I've been doing critic references ever since I've seen this show, so I'm sure I could pull off some of the voices pretty good. <laughs> so me, you, Tim Rooney. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the cinema snob, because he does quite a bit of references to the critic, also. Yeah, it, it, it he, is. Dress, he dressed up as him once for an episode too. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's the I think the fandom's out there, but it's just. Unfortunately, it's not getting any new exposure. So, um, Netflix, Hulu, somebody change that. Buy up, buy the rights to the critic. <laughs> if you see, I think our code word should be Nilknarf. <laughs> that you see that would the be. Streets say Nilknarf. That's how you know you found your people. Should start a uh, start a social media campaign like they did with the Snyder cut and just use that as our hashtag <laughs> hashtag nook <Nook-Narf. laughs> yeah <laughs> let's get nook uh trending on twitter <laughs> yes yes brought to you by mrs fell's fish sticks <laughs> rosebud frozen peas 
So, uh, Jeremy, where can the listeners keep up with you if they choose to? Uh, well, I mean, just like last time, uh, I do a Stephen King podcast called Dark Tower Radio. Uh, we're still alive over there. I just did some really cool interviews lately with some some pretty big names in the Stephen King world. Um, so you can check me out over there. Uh, and me and Guy Milks actually just recently started a new podcast since the last time I was on here. Uh, called Get to the Podcast, um, which is a reference to Predator. And on that podcast, we are just doing a look back at the action movie genre from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And we have three episodes up. Uh, I just did a new episode uh, the other day. Um, so I'm looking to get that edited and up. And but yeah, that's a new podcast. If you're looking for something new to follow, we're we're over there. Just look for get to the podcast. I can't wait for bag boys in the hood. <laughs> uh, well, guy guy keeps throwing suggestions faster than I can plan episodes. So <laughs> there there was there was one of the episodes I listened to that. He was just like, yeah, I, I've got a the whole list of movies, whatever. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness, dude. <laughs> yeah, we, we we have a whole list on our phones that we send each other, like ones that I wanted to do, ones that he wanted to do, and then as we're recording, he's like, oh, I just watched this the other day. We got to do that one too, and I'm like, we're only three episodes in, man. Like, <laughs> we have a list of like 50 movies already that we're gonna do. <laughs> I've I've already sent you my request. <laughs> I mean the good the good thing is we're trying to keep that show like to an hour long for each episode. We've done pretty good so far, so if we can stay on that format, we could start recording episodes a lot more frequently and quicker. But uh, I know once we get into some episodes, they're probably going to go longer than an hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good podcast. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. I, I've been really loving it. So. Yeah, it's it's coming together. Um, I'm starting to get kind of get the rhythm down on that one. So, yeah, it's still early on. So, uh, you know, if you are listening out there, kind of stick with it. And I'm sure it'll get even more polished as we go along. I'm thankful enough. I, most recently you posted an episode I did with you and Guy on uh, Dark Tower Radio, which was fun time, too. Yeah, which we had recorded, um, and I just just got caught up, never got around to editing, and then before I knew it, I had like three or four episodes of podcasts that I needed to edit and publish, so I was able to get that one up, and uh, yeah, everything turned out good on it, so. Well, those two shows come highly recommended. Um, Melissa, where can listeners keep up with you if they choose to? Uh, they can keep up with me on Twitter and Instagram. Um, both is uh, handles for those social medias is Miss Melissa N25. I'm so excited. I have consistency for once. Because <laughs> um, in the, the previous episode, I had a different Twitter handle, but I tried uh, this one that I have for Instagram and it worked. So I have consistency across the board, and it makes me very happy. Um, so you can uh, check me out on Twitter and Instagram, whichever one or both, if you prefer. 
Um, I also have a art Instagram where I do all kinds of quirky art and I post them up on there and it's called scribbles of a wannabe drawer. So if you like quirky art, that's occasionally a dumpster fire, but still think it's cool. You can <laughs> follow that page. Um, where can they find you, Jared? Uh, you can keep up with me on Twitter and Instagram at QCA underscore Mista, M-I-S-T-A underscore J. All I have are pictures of my cats and pictures of my beard. Like guys said, it's I got a lot of hair going on on social media. <laughs> um, I I'll occasionally I, I got another play coming up here soon, so I'll probably be posting some stuff from that too. The uh, coming weeks here, but um, yeah, that's where you can keep up with me. Uh, as a podcast as a whole, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nerd United Nations Podcast. And you can send us an email for requests or feedback at nerdnightandnationspodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to keep listening to us as a podcast, you can follow us on our home at Podbean and also on iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. And on any one of those platforms, uh, be sure to leave a rating and a review. We really appreciate it. And it also allows us to be a little bit more noticed within the podcast community and also allow for new listeners to come in and find us. And Jeremy, thank you again so much for coming on and talking season two of the critic with us. Hey, I'm always happy to get on here and talk about stuff. I love and obviously thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about the critic. Uh, maybe we can get back on at some point and uh, talk about the webisodes. Uh, I'm not sure it'll be a very long episode, but I wouldn't mind checking those out and discussing them with you guys. Well, I was telling Melissa, I think that definitely has to be our next episode. And since Melissa's doing a re uh, a watch through The Simpsons, I think we need to talk about the episode of The Simpsons that Jay Sherman was on too. Yeah, that would yeah that would be a good addition on there. That'd be a good uh, you know kind of mix it together and make an episode out of it. He's got a quick cameo in another episode too, but it's not not noteworthy. So. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we'll definitely have to have you on, and we'll, it'll be less than a year the next time, I promise. <laughs> hey, we, I, I got two other podcasts that I do, so I mean, it's not like I'm clamoring to get behind the microphone. So whenever you guys are ready to do it, you let me know. <laughs> definitely, my friend. You're always welcome. You're always welcome here. I know we have another. I know we always. I know me and you have been discussing another cartoon to discuss on here too. So. <laughs> Another one that's uh, very, very short-lived. So even more short-lived oh, than this one. <laughs> very short-lived. I think only one episode aired of this one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the whole yeah. new adventure of digging for Melissa. Woohoo! <laughs> oh, just just wait, Melissa. If you if you uh, like how South Park treats Canadians, wait to see how Kevin Smith treats Canadians. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Yeah, just so we're just so I'm clear, South Park is way, way off with their Canadian representation, right? Oh, thousand <laughs> percent. Melissa got a surgery, so her head doesn't flap as much anymore. <laughs> I, I have just fuck you. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not gonna lie, I. I used to sing Blame Canada a lot after that movie first came out. <laughs> <laughs> Third of, okay. of a Dead Man comes out to that song at their live shows. 
<laughs> it's okay. It, it's you can blame America for a lot of stuff today. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, this, this has been too fun. Just like last time Jeremy was on, my mouth hurts from laughing so much just thinking about this. <laughs> I'm always happy to give up the hosting duties to somebody else. So. Well, that's our show for this week. Um, for Melissa, I'm Jared. This has been season two of The Critic. So remember, guys, it's still scary out there but us nerds have each other always remember to uh be excellent to each other and nerd on dudes the thoughts and opinions expressed by your ambassadors and their guests are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the companies they happen to work for thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time thanks for listening guys